this aberration, whose only means of expression are wanton violence and destruction. that within every normal system there exists an aberration, something different. But enough about my backstory, fellas. <laughs> I guess I'll officially sort of, I guess this will be the point where I'll try to try to start the podcast and I'll just cut all this other shit out. Um, I wanted to bring you guys on specifically uh, because obviously I listen to your podcast, right? Um, I've also read uh, both of some of both of your work in terms of the books you put out. Um, but um, I wanted to talk about, I love uh, A Snake of June. Like, I still don't know why this is one of my favorite movies. Uh, but the moment that I was exposed to it, I was like, I love this fucking movie, right? Um, so I figure, you know, mutual aberration society is just sort of a, an excuse to to shoot, you know, the shit with people about all a, a whole wide range of topics, much like agitator. You know, it's you know I want it to be sort of just a freeform conversation, and like we can touch on Snake of June, obviously, but then we can talk about sort of any and everything, right? Um, and I definitely want to talk about any and everything because I do feel like just following you guys. Um, there's a lot of overlap in sort of like taste and shit, like when it comes to not only books, not only being like writers, uh, but also like music, uh, sort of perspectives, you know, I mean, there's differences in worldview, so to speak, but, but yeah, it's just, it was just, it just feels like, where do I begin? So I will begin with this, a snake of June. <laughs> uh, uh, what, what I remember, David, you've told me, that you've seen this before, right? Mm -hmm. and yeah. He said he's gonna. He just. This is his first time sitting down and watching it. So, what are you guys' thoughts on this movie by uh, the great, legendary Shinya Sukamoto, who is like one of my favorite filmmakers too, by the way. But yeah. You wanna take this one, Kelby, first? Yeah. Yeah. So I just watched it at a. Uh, when you brought it up, I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, I can watch that. All Shinya Sukamoto's movies are like barely over an hour long. Um, <clears throat> so I queued it up and then perfect timing. My son woke me up at like 1.30 this morning. So I was like, I guess I'm watching it now. Uh, so I watched it at 1.30 this morning. and uh, It has a lot of Sukamoto qualities that like, you know, I, I had become uh, familiar with and fell in love with through like Tetsuo and Bullet Ballet and um, with the like, the way he treats color as like this sort of monochromatic kind of thing where it's like this movie, it's blue. Yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's a black and blue. And the difference in this one between uh other works that i've seen though is it has a it's interesting in that it's like a little bit more of a focused movie compared to his other shit but it's like he doesn't quite 
know how to actually exist in that mode so it's still it's like somewhere between this like uh chaotic and um sort of more focused like erotic thriller and the other thing was the eroticism to me is that it's a weird uh a weird kind of eroticism because it's not like basic instinct like oh sexy like what it's like a and it's not quite pervy it's uh it made me feel weird. (laughs) (laughs) You get a stiffy. (laughs) Yeah. But like a, but like, but like a confused one, you know, like a confused. Those are the best kind of, those are the (laughs) best fucking boners, dude. It's like, I don't know why I like this, but yeah, Uh, that's a good, probably. Well, this is, it's a very wet movie. It's a very rain movie. It's called snake of June because uh, Sukamoto said that he always gets really horny in June because the city gets really wet. Like it's 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 Tokyo's rainy season. Uh, he has this really great quote that I think links Snake of June back into his other movies. It goes, uh, "My films always talk about the correlation between the decline of physical sensations and the modern concrete city. We live in these cities, and little by little, we lose this physicality." hold on, scrolling down, that is a basic part of humanity. But if water enters into that equation, things change. Water stimulates the growth of weeds and plants between the concrete, which in turn attract insects and brings life into this concrete world. New life is born, and whether you like it or not, this makes you more aware of your own body. So in a weird way, Snake of June is, I mean, not just stylistically, but it's kind of a continuation of Tetsuo and Tokyo Fist and uh, these movies that he had before, but it's almost like this movie has a bit more of a, maybe a hopeful outlook or, a, a, you know, it actually, <clears throat> it has like a suggestion. So he'd been, he'd been thinking about this movie since he was a kid because he said the first time he ever got approval from adults was a picture he drew of a snail on a flower and he always knew that he wanted to have that image of the snail on the hydrangea kind of start things off, which is the motif of Snake of June, which uh, I guess, if, you know, if we wanted to do like a quick plot synopsis, uh, it's been about probably five or six months since I've seen it. But our, it starts with uh, this lady who's always, uh, you know, beaten off because she's kind of unsatisfied with her husband, who's this uh, bald kind of losery guy actually he's a businessman yeah (laughs) all boring businessman he's he's uh actually he's a novelist in in japan uh and he was picked because i guess sukumoto said he had like a perfect face but uh (laughs) so you should have picked uh, ryu murakami (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) the man the goat um but uh, he basically, uh, he can't satisfy her, so she's always beaten off. And uh, stalker dude, Iguchi, is taking pictures of her and essentially blackmails her into putting one of those... Uh... Y'all ever done that before? I mean, not in, like, your ass, <laughs> yeah, but, like, with a, with a chick, but, like, you know... Black- you put Blackmailed something... her to, to do shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all the time. I'm literally stalking one right now. No. Um, parody. But no... 
<laughs> but like uh no but like you know like put put something in their in their pussy and you know whenever they're out in public you press the button and they're like i've never done that but uh yeah like a nokia phone like when you got two phones (laughs) i've never done it but i know of women who've had those things um, Uh and i don't know if if they've ever attempted to do it in public uh but seeing it in this movie was definitely like hmm, that's interesting and like Mm -hmm. it's funny because like the 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 woman who plays the main character her name what's her name uh what is it Rinko is the name in the Rinko is the name of the main character, but the actress, the actress, actress, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I see if I can find it. It's Asuka Kurosawa, right? Yeah, Uh, right. She's a very like striking sort of like woman, like in like in a kind of interesting way. Like it's not like overt, right? She's not like, but yet that's what makes that's what makes sort of her so perfect for this role. Is because she seems very demure, right? In a very sort mm-hmm. of Japanese way. Uh, but like when she goes freak mode, for lack of a better term, like she just is like, you know, like there is a sense of like, she she conveys a sense of like wild sort of like, again, that idea that she is sexually repressed, right? That idea that she's unsatisfied um, by her husband. Um, and like, she's the, like r- real talk, she's, she's this movie is make make or break on her performance you know what i mean um because if you could put it i don't you know i mean sukamoto is going to be sukamoto like you know he's going to be the weird guy making (laughs) shit he can do that in his sleep right i think that's just him right um i think yeah he's the weird guy making people do weird shit yeah like i'm gonna make you go in public and like you know wear short skirt and then like he's making her do all of these sort of uh and no panties right no wear no panties and 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 like go and buy a dildo and like her like performance as like being so sort of uh shy and repressed that when she's like and you believe it when she's scared to go in the shop right like oh my god i have to go inside the sex shop and she's like freaking the fuck out because she's like well you know and like she sells she sells the whole thing and i feel like um Every, every, like, it's not a big cast, obviously, but the husband, Sukumoto, and her, like, they just all do a really good job. But I really feel like she's the sort of the, she's the anchor for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she, I just really like dug it in a kind of way that was weird. Like you said, it kind of makes you, yeah, feel weird when you watch this movie. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> Again, like I'm still trying to unpack why i like this movie as much as i do yeah. um, but yeah sukamoto said that he he cast her because she had broad shoulders and sturdy legs and that's and that's the kind of body type <laughs> that he liked uh i liked her crooked teeth i like i like crooked teeth so mm-hmm. I, I was i was into that yeah I there's really- there's something about like a cute you know chick who's got kind of fucked up teeth mm-hmm. it just it just adds to the whole thing because it's right. like ah and straighten those out. For, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> let me, let me straighten those out for you, bro. Let me get you some braces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> brace for this dude. And I love, I love, <laughs> I love that you know, like obviously you guys know, you know, being that you have a whole entire show dedicated to Japanese cinema. Um, there's just something so fucking Japanese, like about this movie, um, in a good mm-hmm. way, right? Where I like, mm-hmm. you know, um. And like, I don't know, like, why do, why do we like these movies? 
tell me, <laughs> tell me why we like these movies. Um, because I try to articulate why I like movies like this to people who are sort of quote unquote more like, for lack of a better word, like normie type people. Uh, and they mm -hmm. just like, because if I, if I describe to a regular person, if I say, yo, watch this movie, right? They're going yeah. to come to me like, yo, what the fuck was that? And I'm gonna be like, yo, this is restrained Sukamoto. And they're going to look right, at me like, yeah. this is restrained. Like what the fuck, yeah. you know, but it literally yeah. is. It's it, yeah. when it comes to him, like this is, yeah, this is a restrained version of him. Um, why do we like these movies guys? I don't know. <laughs> I think there's so many layers of alienation that, uh, for one, it's like on, it's Japan, you know, it's a country that I'm not familiar with, a culture I'm not familiar with. So anything that happens in these movies, I'm like, is this weird or is this normal? Like from that perspective, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, it's like a puzzle. I'm trying to figure out, like, pick up on the cues of the culture. And I'm also just put you know experiencing the weird shit that just comes from uh these uh structures that i'm not used to you know i can put on any kind of american film and be like i i mean i know where this is gonna go you know i'm a i'm a writer and i've seen like three thousand movies like i i get where you know this is going and with like japanese films for the most part i'm like I, what the fuck is happening and i get to experience this thing that's like uh that feels new each time you know i don't know where this shit's gonna go and even when you like you feel a part of something when you start to pick up on certain things like uh yakuza movies that follow sort of a yakuza typical beat you know you're like yeah um, I, like you feel part of it like you figured it out like uh like you're welcomed into it because it's not your home like it's not something you belong in but you kind of integrated yourself into it yeah i think that there's uh there's a lot of reasons that these are fascinating to piggyback off of what kelby said I think that cultural appropriation is amazing. And I think the reason why cultural appropriation is amazing is because it's a celebration of, of difference. And I think that the flip side of cultural appropriation is cultural appreciation. And I think that there's something we've all, you know, Westerners uh, have always been fascinated with the Orient, with the mysteries of the Orient. And I think that that tradition continues no matter how much we try to uh, get rid of that, you know, like kind of wash it and try to pretend that everybody is this same gray slop that can all be marketed to in the same way. <clears throat> I think that the, the major thing is that whether or not you'd like a movie like this, it's really no different than if you'd like David Lynch or David Cronenberg or some other David who makes weird fucked up shit. Like <laughs> it's uh it's basically the Japanese have a very unique history. To a certain extent, this is true of Korea and China as well, but Japan's very unique because Japan never got invaded because the sea that separates it from China and Korea is extremely tempestuous and difficult to traverse. So militaries couldn't get across that that body of water. Uh, safely without all their shit getting wrecked 
So they were extremely isolationist. They, have y'all seen the movie Silence, the Martin Scorsese movie with um, Andrew, Andrew Garfield? Garfield. Uh, I still haven't sat through that. That's one of the ones for say yeah. films I still have yet to sit through. Yeah, I was on a plane, uh, funny enough, to Korea, uh, which is also an East Asian country, um, <laughs> where and I watched it there. And it's it's really good. It's got Liam Neeson's and uh, Andrew Garfield and Shinya Sukamoto is in it. Yeah, also. Sukamoto's in it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But in that movie, it's chronicling the attempt of catholic priests to make headway in japan in the i think 16th or 17th century somewhere around there and yo like the japanese emperor outlawed catholicism and there are scenes in that movie where people will be like hung upside down uh with their heads in pits and kind of like their necks in stocks right and kind of tortured to death it's like really brutal ways to go but I say all that to say, you know, the nationalism and isolationism of Japanese culture, which culminated in them joining up with the Nazis in World War II. Uh, what that means is that as a culture, it has a very hermetic, uh, fully, fully formed, but completely alien set of symbols yeah. and, and meanings that are so different from Western culture that if you're somebody who's really into cultural appreciation, and difference and weird shit you're going to watch these things and be endlessly you know stimulated and fascinated by them because yeah this the shit that makes them horny isn't broadly speaking the shit that makes westerners horny i mean there's overlap right big titties uh but then you like the the okay so the like, obvious thing the the elephant in the the, the octopus in the room is <laughs> like tentacle rape right like that's 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 weird and it's very culturally specific it goes back to the fisherman's wife painting uh from hundreds of years ago where a woman is being pleasured by an octopus right i mean these are very uh culturally i think it's just so different that if you're somebody like me who grew up in oklahoma uh i'm very familiar as kelby said with american symbolism uh and american storytelling Japan just seemed like a breath of fresh air. Like I can't figure these people out for the life of me. And a funny thing that you mentioned about silence and about the Tsukamoto being one thing I do know about him being in that movie was that uh, they say Scorsese didn't know who he was when he cast him. <laughs> like, wow. apparently, apparently he was like, yeah, like I didn't know that was Shinya Tsukamoto. Like I didn't know that was the guy who made Tetsuo. Like I didn't know. Like That's he hilarious. just came in and the casting call and he cast him without knowing. Um, I still have to see. Something. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of a, that's kind of cool. If yeah. you're Sukamoto, he just, he, he got it on merit instead of off of uh, being a, one of the best directors who's ever lived. Well, that's tight. But to speak to sort of what you were saying, David, about like the whole like idea that like, this is a culture that's been sort of like hermetically sealed, like in like, uh, that is definitely, um, you know, people always use this idea of like, you know, like it's, it's, it's usually a pejorative, right? When people say, when they talk about like the otherization of other societies, right? But there, mm -hmm. but I don't mean it like I'm saying Jap Japanese culture is very other, but in a positive sense, right? Exactly. Like, like yeah. it's like, it's so different, but it's like, you're looking at, like you said, you're looking at a society that for the most part, you know what I'm saying, up until like very recent history had very little influence from other societies. And it's reflected 
and sort of the way the society exists to this day, where it's like once American sort of like what the West, like you can see it in the fascination that Japanese people have with the West. Like you can tell that there's like a sim, it's like a simpatico where it's like, we're fascinated with them and they're fascinated with us. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, mm -hmm. and, and there's just something about that, that I just, I can't like, yeah, it's just like, even, you know, I, obviously it's an honor culture, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the idea of like, you know, samurais and the Yakuza and just, just all the shit that you see, it's like, oh, like this is what they had, like, but they did it independently of the shit that was going on across the sea. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it was totally like, oh, like this is what it would be like. It's the closest thing to like an alien planet, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like that you can have right. on earth, like where you're like, mm -hmm. Oh, they do that there in Japan? Like, cause I remember like being exposed to like things like Akira. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? When I was young, you know what I mean? I was like, mm -hmm. what is mm -hmm. this? You know, and I remember it like fundamentally, like sort of like blowing my mind. Uh, cause I was like, this is a this is a cartoon, you know. I didn't even know what anime was. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then it was like, this is anime, and it's like, and it's like, wait, is this for adults? Wait a minute, okay, so what's happening? It's just like this idea of cyberpunk, like um everything that I've been exposed to, you know, from again, Mikkei films, uh, like I first saw Ichi the killer and I, I didn't know how to feel, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, okay, so like this guy's like, this guy's jerking off. And then like, he comes and like the title just appears and <laughs> like allegedly, by the way, yeah. allegedly, by the way, that, that, that's partially Shinya Tsukamoto's cup. Allegedly. <laughs> that's that's the i'm not i'm not making uh, well it might be a fake story it might be apocryphal but uh, allegedly that's that's parts like that he added to the he added to the jar the cum jar for the title see and that's so, what i mean like because it's japanese people you believe it you're like yeah that could I, that's plausible could be could <laughs> be plausible yeah. like yeah, it might happen um yeah it's yeah. just something so so fundamentally fascinating um about just Japanese cinema and like Japanese cinema, even right, like I know it's changed a bunch. Like I know that like now it's like it's not, you know, once like sort of the digital age came into, you know, came into prominence, like there was you, you had it it fundamentally shifted the sort of like the trajectory of Japanese cinema. Um, but given that we live in such a corporatized country, like you know, America is like it's like McDonald's for real. Like, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. even in Hollywood, just my experience with it, you know what I'm saying? Like it is the most homogenized, like bullshit, like, you know, the idea of uh, making things for like four quadrants, just mm -hmm. like, you know, like they don't care. They're thinking about it simply the people that have the sort of money and the ability to get things made at a certain level, like they have awful, they're just awful. Like they have zero taste, like, they suck. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I've been in situations and this is probably why I am the way, where I'm at in my career. If you want to even call it that is I've just sit in these rooms with these people and I'm like, why should I listen to you? Like what qualifies you besides that you have a job at a studio or besides your actor that has like movies under your belt, but like, but like, I'm listening to you talk and you have, you don't have anything of like, value to say about art about why it should be you know like, like anything like it's just all from the from the from the straight up mindset of someone who's just trying to sell product like mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's it 
So it's like when I see Japanese cinema, that's like you can say what you want about it, but it's like it's just completely bonkers. Like it's just like you're gonna see transgression, you know what I'm saying? Because they're not like you're gonna see things because it's not so obsessed with this idea of smoothing off all the edges so that it can be palatable for the masses. You know what I mean? Like it's not about like we want every single like you know like trying to create the perfect product to get to the most eyes and the most people and then sell them you know uh, uh, as I say that as I wear a damn shirt that has a fucking this <laughs> <laughs> product from a Japanese fucking creator it's a fucking Junji Ito t-shirt but like um, for the most part you know like Japan is definitely about their capitalism don't get me wrong but, yeah but. It just seems like they also leave room for the weird shit. Like that over here, specifically now, they just don't. Like, they're just like, we don't even wanna touch that. Like, like you know, have, have you guys ever seen, I don't know how much new shit you guys watch. Cause you seem to watch a lot of old shit, you know, like myself, right? But like, haven't you noticed how sexless, like all the shit that comes out yeah. is now? Yeah. Like the only time you're allowed to to have sex in a movie is if it's like lesbians and shit, you know what I mean? And then it's not even hot. It's, it's not even hot, like... right? It's like what the fuck? It's like you got all these Marvel movies with all these hot people and they never fuck. It's right. like it's like when there's no libido in none of these movies. It's just garbage. It's like I just can't. So it's like I find myself retreating to not only the past and you know films of different eras, but also abroad and other places. Like you know, in in Japan mm -hmm. is just this big it's like a shining beacon of like yo you want to see some wild shit you want to see people like go there okay well we got people that's going to go there you know you got guys like you can't have somebody like Mike in america you can't no and it, like, and it is wild that like they're they have tighter like censorship laws and stuff too but you wouldn't think that because the shit is fuck it's like how did they get away with this and it's fascinating because it has to come from a kind of more repressed way even more than like i don't know i don't know if we've just been dulled by pharmaceuticals or something that we're not like lashing out in the same way even though we are repressed over here as well but like they're just like however i'm able to sneak this shit past i'm gonna throw it in there and it's just like well, here's fun. the wild thing though america is a wild fucking place like we get mass shootings like no one like we're the goats of mass shooting <laughs> <laughs> we're the the like, world's the, greatest it's the predominant have, american art form right right like that is our art that is our art the man's so fucked up to say but it literally is it's like that's our one cultural output is like no one can fuck with us when it comes to people just walking inside of mcdonald's with an uzi like we're the kings of that shit so it's like you know this is a wild True. place but the art is not reflective of that reflective at least right now you know um the art is not reflective of that and it, the art that is but you're onto something with that you're onto something with that mm -hmm. the art the art that is is sort of like immediately like placed in like over here like we gotta we gotta segregate it in like these it's lepers these people are lepers like you can't you know what i mean like um uh, they just isolate those sort of people making shit on the fringes like anytime you make some shit on the fringes like it's immediately like the powers that be and the people in the positions that can like sort of like who have like money and influence uh they immediately are like oh wait a minute like we got to isolate this person like we, we can't let this person sort of like continue to 
make this shit. And if they if they're gonna make this shit, then they're gonna make it on the margins. And, and they're just, you know what I mean? Like it's not gonna be reflected mm-hmm. in sort of like mm-hmm. the media is not gonna cover it. You know what I mean? Um, like I say this all the time, and I'm because because I'm a broken record. But like, uh, it's like for example, I I I look I look at the show like Euphoria, right? Um, I've never watched it and I never plan on watching it. But like when you look at like the discourse around that show specifically, uh, when you look, when you go on Twitter, which I don't recommend anybody going on Twitter, but you know, if you do go ahead, but if you go on there, right, you will see like when that shows in, when the season comes back, you will see the, the, the amount of coverage it gets. Right. But it's not actually reflective of like the amount of eyeballs that are actually watching that fucking show. Like when you look at the numbers, like when it's, it's premiered, it was only like it was like half a million. It was like five hundred something thousand or some something around the you know something around that. Um, but then there's a show that gets no coverage in terms of like, like a show like Yellowstone um, that has like a season premiere of like ten million people. Yeah, yeah. it's the it's the biggest Every, show right now. Everybody, I, I think that's that uh, show. Yeah, I think Taylor Sheridan has yeah, like a yeah. has like a thirteen show deal now. So he just basically is this you know, mastermind overlord of all these shows that he doesn't even uh, have any real input in because of how big Yellowstone was. But I want to go back to something that you said where about the mass shootings and the fact that our art is so homogenized and slopped out in gray, because I think that those two things are directly connected. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that when you, uh, we talk on the show a lot about art being a, a cage and a container for the worst human impulses and a way to let these kind of things out. And of course, uh, something like a mass shooting is very multifaceted. There's a lot going on with that. Uh, easy access to guns is the clearest uh, problem there, which you're never going to take away. And I like guns, so whatever. But just say this. Let me just about to cut you off. Yeah, I'm pro gun too, which is which is something that like is strange because people are like, you're a fucking commie. I'm like, um, that's what people call me. But I'm like, yeah. yo, <laughs> I'm like, don't you know that like guns and like people who sort of quote unquote are far on that? Like that's a historical like that's normal. Mm. Yeah, like, I'm not some like weird libtard who like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no yeah. way. I'm going to not want to own a gun in this society. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. Like, fuck you. You know? Um, yeah. When they come into the McDonald's with the Uzi, I want to have my little yeah. bitch ass 38 with me. Sorry to cut you off. Finish your no, thought. no, no. It's it, no, it's fine. Yeah. I, uh, but I do, I do think that when you have these mass shooters, you have people who are really disaffected. Uh, Columbine was before the age of social media. Now we have social media that, you're being inundated with images left and right. And images are very powerful. Images have a lot of occult uh, significance to them and the ability to kind of influence minds. I think that you also can't look away from, uh, in America in particular, a long and storied tradition of MK Ultra style brainwashing and people actually being sent out to, to shoot people. But all that being said, one element of this has to be uh, not necessarily even censorship, but just the kind of uh, gray slush that stamps down all difference. Um, you know, the Japanese, Mike started out in the direct-to-video market, 
which was very cutthroat. It was, uh, here's your budget, make them, we want this movie made, make it. So his first three movies were uh, Bikini Cop, you know, uh, it's like women in bikinis fucking hunting down bad guys, which just sounds pretty dope to me. But I mean, it's, it's not necessarily, I think that, you know, uh, the Japanese don't have this sort of money mentality, but there is something going on where, I don't know if it's the audiences. I don't know if it's the people in the suits. You probably know this better than I do, but like there's a stamping down of risk and difference. And every time I will say, by the way, every time somebody does take a risk, the show ends up being a huge hit like squid game or whatever. And then all the suits take the completely wrong. They're like, okay, so we need to make squid game too. And it's like, no, the reason why people like squid game is because in the landscape of popular entertainment, it was something different. And they just, they can't, they can't figure that out. Dude, right. A, they, they don't get that. It's the most annoying shit ever. Let me just tell you, uh, when it comes to like screenwriting, um, like here's the thing, like the people, the people like execs, right. Creative execs, they use the term creative to make themselves feel better. <laughs> They're like the least creative people. They're like the same kind of, they're like the, you know, ever met somebody who's into CrossFit like a lot? Yeah. It's like the same kind of person. Like fuck those people. Right. The same kind of brain is like in the, 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 just is the, of a CrossFitter is like the same kind of brain that like a lot of these Hollywood exec people are. Um, And you're right, Mike. So you could never, before Squid Game, you could never sell Squid Game. But when Squid Game comes out, they're like, we need a Squid Game. Like, you know what I mean? Now it's like, whatever's, whatever's got, you know, heat, then they can, then you can make it at that point. That's how, that's how it works. They just, they're just chasing, you know, trends and whatever they feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, people mm-hmm. like that. So, so now it's a, 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 that's, that's what, that's what we need to make. But until there's a, still someone else validates that something, you know, is popular through, actual like people going to see it people watching it people paying for you know then until then it's like they don't take risk and the people that usually usually nine times out of ten um like you said it's someone making some shit that like the whole time that they were on the path of making it all the way to it they got it put out they were being told no like Mm -hmm. you can't like all the whole, all the way. And it's just, it takes people to sort of be like, nah, I'm gonna make this. I, I know, you know, it, but it's, it's really hard to sort of like, uh, at least for the people in Hollywood, because Hollywood attracts a certain type of person. Um, and the type of people that it attracts, unfortunately, are very sort of like, you know, um, brown nosers, uh, like just sort of, you know, like ladder climbing striver types that are just sort of willing to sort of, they don't really have, they don't really care. They just want validation, right? Like as humans, like we all want some form of validation, right? Like that's, that's a base impulse that we all have. But we, we don't all want to suck dick. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but that's different. Hollywood is a mag. I always say this all the time. Hollywood is a magnet for like the mentally ill. So like, like imagine a town, right? Where a big ass magnet that just attracts crazy people across from everywhere. And that's pretty close to what, you know, Hollywood is and Los Angeles is like, um, and I think like the people who are somewhat sane, um, like, and I feel like you, I feel like 
I, I include myself in this. Like you, something has to be a little bit off for you to be in wanting to even go down this path. Like, so I'm always like self-examining and self-questioning why I do things. Um, but I can, I have an excuse. I, I had a kid when I was 19 years old. Um, uh, I was always a writer. That was the thing I could always do. Right. Um, and, and that's another thing I need to say is that Hollywood is not comprised some of the most successful screenwriters and a lot of the writers who write in TV and in film, uh, they're not actually writers, if you know what I'm saying. Like, right. They're not actually write writers. They're like, like screenplays, there is a prose to screenplays. There is, right? It's its own specific thing, but it's not really writing. Like, um, and I feel like, you cannot be a writer in the sense of like, you don't have the ability to really tell a story. Uh, you just, and maybe this is me just, I'm, I, I'm not an elitist by any, by any terms, but I just like, I just know, like, for example, like I know a lot of writers who quit screenwriting and, and, and then pivoted to fiction writing. Right. And mm -hmm. I've seen some of them be successful in fiction. Um, but I've also seen a lot of them try and pivot and, you know, shit the bed because most of them can't make that pivot. Like, because most of them actually can't fucking write. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm to the point where like, I've read so many screenplays. Uh, I hate reading them, but like I've, I've absorbed screen. I like, I can, the screenplay format is something that like, I can just, uh, I can just manipulate at, at a will. I don't even have to think about it, but I read mostly fiction and nonfiction. Like I don't really read scripts. But when I try to write outside of the screenplay format, right, that's when it, I have to actually focus because it's actually more, there's more to the prose, right? Right. Because I got so trained to do this shit. And most of the people like that are in this, um, they just like, again, like, so, so it's reflective in the movies. It's reflective in the shows. Like they're not well-written because most people in Hollywood can't write. <laughs> that's just a fact like the tv shows you watch are stupid like you know the majority of them are bad like you can like from from the from from a a regular person standpoint at the viewer they'll absorb the television show and they'll watch it and they'll be like yeah you know it's fine but you as a writer i'm pretty sure you guys have watched some like some shit and you're just like this is fucking terrible like you yeah. know what i mean like it's terrible um so I, I come from a standpoint of like, I want to like, want to, like, I don't have a hero. Like I only have one man. I, my father is the only guy I've ever looked at as a hero, right? So like, when I look to like guys in the industry, first of all, don't meet people in the industry because you're going to be disappointed because they always fucking suck. Uh, but every now and then that, that, that's not the case. Uh, you might meet that one guy, but like one of the people that I look to in terms of my own sort of career, whose, whose career trajectory I respect uh, is Melvin Van Peoples, which is, you know, Mar Mario Van Peoples' father, uh, just because, like, he did everything. Like, and not in a way that's, like, because I feel like that's a problem now. Like, I feel like everyone is, like, a jack-of-all-trades, right? They want to do everything, and it's kind of annoying. It's like, just be good at one thing. Fuck you. you know? <laughs> uh, 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 but he did it in a way that I respect. Like, that's what I like. Someone like him is like, he moves to France and then he writes books, writes for a, you know, he writes fucking for some newspaper, but then he makes his movies. You know, he writes, directs them. He comes like he's, he, he spread his creativity 
in all sorts of ways, right? Like he, he sort of like, it was, and like, I look at him as like sort of someone like whose career, like that's the type of shit I want to do. I just want to make shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even that's why I like, when, like Broken River, for example, like, like I like the small books. I like the sort of the, the ethic or the ethos that you guys sort of had where it kind of seems like you guys were like, it's almost like a no limit approach, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know how like back when no limit was in his heyday and they were just putting out shit, it was like yeah. digestible. And like, you could like, that's the type of shit that like I dig. Uh, uh, and like, I feel like I have to like seek out uh, other sort of not only art, but like I have to seek out a lot of different like uh, voices and sort of like I have to look I'm always looking everywhere else because it's the only way I can stay sane doing what I do mm. you know like because you can like you will this will make you hate everything like you know what I'm saying and like contrary to the way I'm coming off right now I'm a pretty happy guy so you know like I don't hate everything but like people look at me like that like Ryan you hate everything and it's like actually no there's a lot of shit I love uh but the shit that's in our face the most is just um it's no bueno it's not good so well, yeah and that and that's why you in. hate you know that, that that's why it's so frustrating is because i mean hate is just the opposite side of love you know it comes from the same place and it's like i love the creative process i love the expression the indulgence and weirdness and you know exploring emotion and humanity and like nightmares and whatever i love art and that's why i hate all the bullshit that's being put out and not just like why can't you just have fun like it's just it's captain america it's cool bro you know it's yeah well, just but let people like things i hate just that. let people like things like i was like yo there's a you know because i follow i i don't know why i do this like there's some screenwriters that I know who I'm cool with who will like share shit with me of like people posting things, right? Of other people, other writers and shit. And like, there was this one guy <laughs> and he said some shit like, uh, I will never uh, hire writers who talk shit about other writers. And I'm like, okay. Like that's the, like that in and of itself is the problem. Right. That, that like whether he's aware of it or not, like that type of mentality is what's wrong with Hollywood. That's what's wrong with like shit, the literary world. Like this is this, this idea yeah. of like, you know, I can't don't say anything. Right. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'll talk shit about who I want. Eat some dicks. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, because, you know, you know like, yeah, it's not. Yeah, a, I mean, go ahead. David. That, that's that's always been my problem in the book world is that I always <laughs> talk way too much shit and then people get mad. But to go back to that idea of letting people enjoy things, <clears throat> here's the deal. I will let you enjoy whatever the fuck you want to enjoy as soon as that thing stops eating up all the shit that I like, right? I mean, the fact that things like Captain America and whatever exist is fine in and of itself. But when that becomes the only thing that exists and uh, there is no, right now in American cinema, there is no equivalent to a Shinya Tsukamoto or a Takashi Miike, right? And so what about me, right? Until I get what I want, 
nobody gets to have fun right i mean <laughs> there's yeah. enough there's there's enough to go around i mean you're telling me you can't give a million dollars to somebody who's got an actual vision and maybe you make 2 million dollars maybe you make 3 million dollars maybe <gasps> horror of horrors maybe you lose lose 500,000 dollars right i mean if, until you start taking risks and letting people who have interesting things to say say them uh you know, give us that DIY shit, right? And I'm not talking about like the knockoff Transformers bullshit DIY that that we get where people will do these low budget things that, you know, where it's like, uh, instead of the black phone, we're going to have the red phone, right? Uh, <laughs> no, asylum, I want to see- Asylum movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to see like, I want to see like real interesting shit. And as soon as that starts hap- happening, I'm not talking about A24, which I love A24. I have no problems with A24. But until I start seeing that happen, uh, I will continue to be prickly about this kind of shit. Yeah, I feel similarly. I feel similarly, but but you know, and to kind of go back to like the shit talking thing, right? Like that type of like you know, these same people will complain about guys like Harvey Weinstein, right? But it's like that again. That type of mentality is what protected him. You know what I mean? Um, it's like, no, I'm talking shit. about. That's a good people. point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking shit about these people for a reason. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like if yeah. I choose to talk shit about you, it's probably cause you know, I've had an interaction with you and you're an asshole or, or you just, you know, or if I just don't like it, I just don't like it. And I feel like if somebody doesn't like something, it doesn't really bother me. Like, you know what I mean? Like I have a pretty no. thick skin. Like you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to like what I like. It doesn't, it's not, a, it's not a, like, I don't, you don't even have to like me. Right, I don't you don't even have to care. like me. Like, it's really not a, I don't take it personal, uh, especially if I don't know you. I'm like, how can I take it personal? You don't even know this person. But like, they this this type of, and it's in the literary world. I see it. Like, I see, I can't even like, you know, it's like, it's like when Stephen King tweets dumb stuff. It's like, oh God, stop. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, put down Twitter, <laughs> Twitter Steve. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. stop. Oh, dude, Stephen King is the biggest libtard on Twitter besides super, maybe. Super, uh, well, I, I like Joyce Carol Oates on Twitter because she she steps in it all the time. Uh, but Stephen King is just like, you know, as soon as the Ukraine thing happened, Stephen King took a picture of himself with like a Ukrainian flag. Sure. He's such a boomer. And bro. it's He's like, shut boomer. up. You know, it's like you have so you have so much money. These rich old authors really need to shut the fuck up. Like James Patterson stepped in it recently because oh he God. said that uh, he said that white writers don't have a shot anymore. Uh, which I get what he means, but at the same time, you have eight hundred million dollars. Like, why say he's not talking about? <laughs> talk about himself. yeah, he's yeah. It's like he yeah, he's not talking about. He's talking about like others, and I mean, and that's that's true because you know people are trying to do this kind of diversity thing, uh, which is really frustrating from uh, my perspective. Not because I'm white and I can't get work, because I've always been independent, so it doesn't make a difference to me one way or the other, mm-hmm. but being in the mainstream whether that's in movies or books necessarily means that you're going to be mediocre like so because mediocrity rises to the top and and now that there's uh, a more level playing field and more black people more uh queer people whatever are getting the chance to be mediocre that's great but all of a sudden like you're not allowed to point that out right yeah. and that's that's what's frustrating it's like <laughs> it's like i don't have a problem with you know they're whatever they are um, but anyway, back to James Patterson, it's like, shut, just shut up. Like, who cares? You got like, why you have $800 million. Like, why are you not on like a private little Epstein Island 
getting filleted by three women or men at the same time? Like, why, why is that not every day of your life? What are you doing with $800 million? These people who get rich, like these, whether it's Elon Musk or whoever, like Elon Musk, like, why is he, why are you tweeting? Why are you, you're the richest man in the world. Like, why are you tweeting instead of just doing cool <laughs> shit? Like I would be paragliding every day. Because I would just. Clout is the biggest currency in our society yeah. right now. It's yeah. all about clout. Like, yeah, it's power. A billion, right? You're right. If you have clout, you know, at the end of the yeah. day, like. Uh, Whereas me, like, give me a million dollars and I will shut the fuck up forever. forever. You will never, I'll shut down agitator. I'll shut down Broken River and I will disappear into the woods and you'll never see me ever again because I'll, in, I'll invest in some weapons manufacturer uh, and just constantly have a paycheck coming in like every, every day. You will never hear from me again. By the way, that's a promise. That's a promise. If somebody hits me up in the DMs and says, I'll, I'll uh, can you PayPal a million dollars? I don't think so. Uh, if, somebody says, no, I don't if, think some, if somebody sends me a check for- I'll give you my uh, bank account number. Yeah. Yeah, if somebody hits me up and says, give me your bank account and routing number and your social security number and uh, a picture of your photo ID and I'll send you a million dollars. They don't need that stuff. They just need your bank account number. <laughs> They're probably getting scammed. Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but for real, I will, I will shut the fuck up forever. So anybody who hates me that much, and I know that you guys exist out there, if any of you has a million dollars and you want to send it to me, uh, offers on the table I'll i know this there. is why you brought us on this show so that we could plug this this sort of like yeah uh-huh. same goes for all i want is one million just just one 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 million one million never from me again yeah uh speak on that kind of tip about like sort of people that hate you right um who like without naming names so to speak uh i know there's motherfuckers that you go into barnes and nobles and see uh-huh. Like you know you hate. <laughs> we, we've been we used to cut that shit out. Of, we used to cut that shit out of the show, and we've been saying it yeah. more often lately. Listen, because yeah. I watch movies and TV shows sometimes, and I hate a lot of some of these people. I do, like hate is a strong word, but it's like just some motherfuckers I know. Who I'm like, I cannot stand this fucking person. Like you know, like it's not even like it's just like like fuck you. Well, there are some people who I love. I mean, I saw Stephen Graham Jones's book the other day. I love yeah, that book. I love that. that. Like, I love when um, I see when there's people I fuck with, like they got some mm-hmm. shit out. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, that like the scale is kind of like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, there's a there's a writer right now. There's a writer right now, and I, I I definitely won't say his name, but he's he's blowing the fuck. I mean, he's just like I mean I. I heard his numbers. I, I know what kind of checks he's getting. Uh, he's totally successful. And here's like the tricky part about it is that he's actually a good dude. Like he, he seems to me to be a good person. Um, and I'm a pretty good judge of character. But this motherfucker came on the scene like three years ago and he would be posting excerpts from his book on Facebook. And they were so bad that all of my writer friends would be, we'd be like making fun of it in the DMs in the group chat. Like we'd be sharing it. And through serendipity, this guy found the agent, right? The hot agent right now. Uh, Somebody took his book and cleaned them the fuck up big time. Like seriously cleaned that shit up. And he's- I think I know you're talking. I think I know you're talking about, we'll say, I won't say it on here. We'll talk about it when we're not recording, but I think I know you're talking about. 
Yeah, uh, but I'll this, talk. but this, this guy again, like he just, he seems like a sweethearted, nice guy. Yeah, nice guy, you know. And and so uh, the thing though that frustrates me is not his success because he basically, like, how are you going to be mad at somebody who won the lottery, right? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. He just, he just won, and that's good for him, and I'm happy for him, and he's making money, and that is that's amazing. But yeah. but like, uh, what I don't like are the dick riders whose DMS I still have talking about like how shitty this guy is all of a sudden being like, Oh, well, just, this is a masterpiece. It's like guys have a little bit of integrity. Like Mm -hmm. I will never say that this person is a good writer or has good books. Right. It's also, uh, which doesn't matter. Right. But sorry, Kelby, go ahead. Well, it's also racist to say that he's a good writer. Listen, I know exactly what you're talking about. I probably have, (laughs) I probably have two of the books on my shelf and I ain't, I can't read them um, because I'm worried that that's going to be the case. You know what I'm saying? I pick them up because I'll pick up books randomly. Like sometimes like, you know, like I'm gonna get, cause I have a stack, Like, like maybe I'll read this shit. Um, but I think, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and probably, it's dude, probably most people who are listening know exactly who I'm talking about. It's pretty about. much <laughs> like naming him every time we bring this up because it's so obvious. It's but the it's, worst but, shit that's at the but, front but, of Barnes. But my impression of this person is like he does seem like a really good dude. Like yeah, really that's does. that so everybody. That's what everybody tells me. He's he he's seen, yelled at he's yelled at me a few times online because yeah, um, he doesn't like me either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and yeah. I've seen him. I've seen him go. I think again, I, we could be talking about the wrong guy, but I'm pretty sure this is the same guy. I've seen him go. You know, I know he's gotten some good blurbs from guys like Stephen King and stuff like that. Uh, I've seen him take some very goofy liberal sort of, you know. Uh, they all do. They yeah, all do. And yeah, here's yeah. the thing about publishing is that publishing is run by white women, right? Mm-hmm. So. White women have a very specific kind of politics. Um, not here, not in Oklahoma. They're mostly Trump conservatives. Yeah. But white liberal women have a very particular kind of politic. And no matter who you work for, whoever is at the top of that corporate ladder, you know, when you talk to the boss, you're going to code switch and uh, you know talk to them in the in the manner that they like, right? So. Sure. Publishing is run by white women and white women have this very particular Rachel Maddow, uh, libtard way of talking that trickles down to like every, every author, right? So everybody talks the same way. You don't get uh, people like me who are maybe a little bit more right, uh, Republican leaning, Uh, people like Kelby who are insane, people like you who are, are commies, you know, like you don't get actually any of our opinions because it's all, it all has to be this kind of identitarian uh, libtard bullshit. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's because they know, they know who's, they know who's pulling the levers, right? You don't want to, you don't want to piss off the wrong people. So. Yeah. It's fine. It, you know, and it, for me, it's like, you know, like, it's weird because the space that I exist in is very like, um, yeah, it's, it's like, I managed to carve out an existence. That's very, like, it's very strange where it's like from time to time I get paid, you know, to write these, some shit. Like I just got paid to write a pilot, you know? Um, that's cool. And like, uh, I hate TV. Like I hate <laughs> it. I fucking hate TV. I still think it's the le- the lowest form of writing ever and it's the easiest way to pass yourself off as a writer 
is to get into TV because you're protected by the writer's room. Um, but the writer's room is filled with mediocre writers, people who are sub-mediocre, um, who can be like, I'm a writer. It's, you know, it's about clout again. It's this idea that you can be mm-hmm. like, I'm on a show. But it's like, yeah, but TV writing is the worst type of writing. Like it's low. It's like if there's a totem pole of writing, TV, TV is under the ground. <laughs> and like people won't admit that because it's become so popular because it's like now it's like it's perceived as supplanted film. Right. It's like it's a planted film because it's like, you know, like everyone thinks this idea that we're in a golden age of TV, but it's like not really like, you know, if you're really Y'all ever seen Sanford and Sons. Yeah. Were you talking ever, about golden age of TV? Yeah. Yeah. If you ever if you really like are watching the shit with a critical eye, it doesn't really hold up. Like it's a lot of bullshit. Like it's a lot of cra- it's so formulaic um, to the degree where it's like you can once you're exposed to it. It's like seeing the code in the matrix. You can't like, you know what I mean? It's like, I see it all now. Like it's, it's not, this is, it's not, it's not creative. It's math. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. fucking mm-hmm. math. Yeah. It's like algorithm. Uh, yeah. Ozark, Ozark is a good example for like me. Cause like everybody was like, oh man, Ozark is dope. You got to check that out. And I watched like a few episodes and was like, oh, it's breaking bad. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. same shit. It's, the sad part is that Ozark is one of the better ones. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it does seem like good, but it's like yeah, algorithms, yeah. you know? It's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, but that's, but that's what this. I'm saying, though. It's like you can see that in a show like Ozark and still say, oh, it's one of the better ones, which is speaks to what I'm saying, which is like even the better stuff. It's like, OK, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and again, it's, I guess it's reflective, you know, in the literary space, too. Like, you know, like certain voices are getting pushed, you know, certain, certain people are getting sort of this, the, 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 not, not only the stamp, right. But they're like the ones who are, you know, making the New York times bestseller list. And, but then you read the shit and you're like, this is terrible. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's all, you know, it's, I see that all the time. It's like, it's like, okay. Like that's why I look to like read, like I'll read, like, like I started reading like, uh, um, Michelle Welbeck. I started reading him because I was just like, okay, well, this guy's from France and they don't give a fuck over there. Like, <laughs> you know, so, so it's like, I know that like, I can probably read some shit that's like actually interesting and it's like actually traversing yeah. territories that I can like, you know, that has some- he, he just finished a new novel that's 800 pages uh, that I can't wait for. I yeah, think it hasn't been translated best. yet, right? No, yeah. it hasn't been translated, yeah. but he, I mean, he does get shit in France for sure. I mean, like, they definitely protest him, but they still publish him. Also, <clears throat> something that I've never said on a podcast that I do want to clarify, because I go on my little uh, white liberal women run publishing, white liberal women run like uh, horror crime and like the literary Oprah book club fiction. Yeah. I always leave this out and it's important in the in the interest of fairness to leave this in. A big portion of bestsellers are by uh conservative people uh like brad thor uh some of the biggest sellers are like you know uh, books about tr- like pro books about trump and and stuff like that i mean these trump a fiction. lot of these people oh, yeah trump fiction That's weird <laughs> a, a lot of these people uh if if it's all about categorization though right so if you're if you're in one of these milieus <clears throat> you have to have this kind of liberal politics but at the same time what's so funny and so kind of hypocritical about it too is that nobody's talking about how these same publishing companies their bread and butter is actually like 
military sniper fiction from ex Navy SEALs and shit like that. Yeah, you know Chris, what I mean? Like Chris those, those books actually. Chris Kyle's shit, Chris Kyle's like, yeah. 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 make yeah. up a bunch yeah, of shit about exactly. what I did. <laughs> yeah all right all right p to one of the goats yeah chris kyle like i'm uh, gonna make this shit up bro like fuck it. <laughs> hey guys tight. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna piss real quick i'm still listening yeah, go ahead, still go ahead. You, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh yeah, yeah that movie's hilarious too the fucking uh, uh american, I, sniper. american sniper um because like i watched that movie and it's, it's got like that fake baby in it <laughs> oh yeah and it's like yo that's the baby's fake as hell like you know it's just so many it's so much goofy shit in that movie um shout out to the jason hall um who wrote that movie uh i used to dm him back in the day he seemed like all right guy uh but that movie's like <laughs> <laughs> that movie's fucking wild uh, it's hysterical yeah 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 it's funny that like I don't know man i don't know man like i feel like uh, it's weird because like i f- i don't want to de- i'll divulge some more of my own sort of personal shit off off pod when it's not recording um but it's kind of funny because there's a lot of in my own life right like in my own life um i interact with people who i am ideologically opposed to like right, mm-hmm. like I'm in like legitimate ops, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like in terms of what they believe and what I believe, but like I still move within the space. We still have conversations, like we still sort of like are able to sort of like come to some some sort of understanding. Because um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, how fucking radical I believe my ideas to be. Like, it's not a revolution, dog. Like, it, it, it's not like. <laughs> It's not like the revolution is happening. Yeah. Picking sides, like yo, you gotta pick a side because we're gonna kill you. You know, it's not none of that shit's happening. Um, and it's just like, how do you? Grow, and again, I'm from the Midwest. Like, I don't understand people who grow up in. The, and it's maybe it's a coastal thing because, like, I do. I have lived in. I have lived in, you know, in LA, and like, you know, um, and I've been on New York. My sister, you know, lives over there, and that and that area works in there, um, in in that space. So I'm a, I'm aware of the sort of idea of a coastal bubble, like the coastal elite bubble. Um, but like as a person who's not living in sort of New York City or like Los Angeles, right? Like walking outside, I have to like interact with all kinds of motherfuckers every mm-hmm. day. Yeah, yeah. Like, that don't think the same way, that don't have the same, don't share my shit. And that's normal. But like, it seems like now when you look at the discourse, like this idea that like these people don't exist, like as if like, how do you, you know, it's like, again, like this idea of like, uh, and I always tell people this all the time, like, I understand, I understand when people become red pill, like I'm not red pill, but like, I understand it. Like I understand it fundamentally because what you're saying to a lot of these people, uh, when it comes to like, sort of like these sort of like elite sort of coastal, you know, for lack of a better word, it's all I can call them. It's like these kind of coastal elite people, right? These people that live in these bubbles in Los Angeles, people that live in these bubbles in New York City, right? Um, when you tell people like, yo, your family, like if they believe some shit that you don't believe, you need to just fucking cast them into the fire. Like most motherfucking people look at you like, what? Like yeah. you tell you telling me that like I'm supposed to tell my grandfather to eat a bag of dicks, like. <laughs> That's my grand. Like, yeah, I don't agree with my grandpa, but like my grandpa, I still love him. Like, he used to take me yeah. 
used to take me on rides with him on his fucking lawnmower and shit. You know, like people have like sentimentalities with people who you don't agree with. And like I said, like I have to fundamentally interact with people in my life who I definitely don't agree with. Um, that I don't like, it's not on when I see him. It's not on site. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, we don't fuck with each other. Like even this row shit, like, again, I'm not going to disclose too much because there's people who like, I'm trying to protect that I care about, but there's some people I know um, who, when this shit passed, may have a close connection to it. Right. Yeah. Um, in a way that people don't even understand. Like, like, and it's like, and I've had to interact with them. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like I've mm -hmm. had to interact with them and be sort of like civil, even though I fundamentally disagree. Right. And even though people next to me fundamentally disagree too, you know what I mean? But like this idea that like, you can't have conversations with people are like, it's like, it's not even that again, I don't, I, maybe it's because I'm from the Midwest. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's because I, I like, I just fundamentally understand that my own, my own belief system and the things that I believe are not the majority. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? I'm used to that shit. Like I'm used to like, no, most people aren't on my, on my type of time. They just not. Mm -hmm. So how can I expect yeah. them to do that? So it's just weird. Like, again, like I just get into more arguments with liberals than I do anybody. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's like, nonstop, yeah, it, you know and it's I mean? like, a, everything's become this like social climbing thing to where like affiliation equals endorsement, because why else would you be talking to anybody unless it's to get somewhere like career wise or to, it, like you're trying to, uh, just the art of having a conversation or the interest in expanding ideas isn't so common anymore that anytime you're like, why, like, I can't believe that's one of the reasons that a lot of people have been hating on us lately is because um, we're going on shows that like, and I'm not going to defend, I, I'll, I will co-sign these people. I think like the perfume nationalist, nationalist. I think they're, I think they're, I will co-sign them, but just going on, on pisses people off, off. And i'm like right, right, right. you're so like you're against having conversations with people what are you well well for on that note like you said affiliation is is is, is viewed as sort of uh, uh endorsement but also depiction is viewed as endorsement right you know what i'm saying so it's like yeah. if you depict things in the stuff you write then they view it as an endorsement right it's just it's so flawed and even like jack with the purple nationalist like i disagree with him on all kind of shit <laughs> but i still listen to the shit like you know what i'm saying like, i'll still listen to it like there's plenty of like even though i'm like yo fundamentally i'm like yeah i feel like jack's wrong about this or he's wrong about that but i would never say yo don't like that podcast shouldn't be around or he should mm -hmm. no of course it should be like and in fact mm -hmm. there's a lot of good episodes of that shit like you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. there's a lot of good episodes mm -hmm. where he's talking about shit and it's like okay like you know like like, but to even say that, right, it's like, yo, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? It's like, nah. Man. Well, you end up having conversations with people. Uh, the one that comes to mind is Kelby and I were recently on a podcast called System of Systems. And, mm -hmm. you know, Adam's a good friend of ours. And but at a certain point in the podcast, we got to talking about trans stuff. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and Adam is is really anti-trans. I'm not. I'm not talking out of school by saying that. I mean, his mm. writing and shit is all over the, all over the internet. Right. And I'm, mm. I'm not anti, like I I'm fine with trans people. I'm fine with, with trans, whatever, yeah. but I just had a fun the, experience with the trans person. I don't know. 
We surely did. But like my, my, my point about that is just to say that like in the context of that, that episode, we just talked about it. Right. And, and neither of us got mad at the other one, uh, you know, uh, and who, I mean, who, who knows, like, I'm not trying to change his mind about anything. He, it didn't, you know, change mine or whatever, but like, I don't understand why you're not supposed to even talk to these to these people right like to where that would be like a a thing that you just like even as a as a trans person you know what i mean like talk to people who like don't do uh you know well i don't really care about drag queen story hour right like i think that shit is stupid i think it's totally fine i mean my son watches rupaul because it's what my wife always has on uh, I don't think it's going to corrupt his brain. Right. I don't think a, a drag queen reading him a story is going to change him at all. Facts. But like people get uh, so worked up about all this kind of shit. And it's like, you could just like talk to like one drag queen. Uh, right. And <laughs> just maybe, maybe try to understand what, like, you're not going to get cooties. You're not going to turn gay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're not going to become a drag queen. Uh, and conversely drag queens, it's like, you gotta you gotta do it too right like like everybody everybody has to so i use this like metaphor that's kind of corny but it, i remember it hitting me so hard and it was when i was watching game of thrones right did did y'all watch game of thrones unfortunately yeah I it was yeah, so, it was it was tight till that last two seasons they ran out of books yeah they <laughs> fucked it up i they agree with you 100 i agree with you 100 yeah. they fucked that shit up so bad it's it's like one of the biggest travesties in the history of television but one of the good seasons was when john snow kelby you said you didn't see it no i didn't see it you uncultured little fuck Watch um, bro after after lost seasons. i stopped watching tv Fair Lost enough. is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. And like, I was so mad. I was like, Lost never... is the same shit though. Lost is the same shit. They fucked it up mm-hmm. so bad. Actually, it's, it's a, it's a dead heat between Lost and Game of Thrones for who fucked their, their the TV most... show up the, the worst. Yeah. But in, in Game of Thrones, the, the main character is this guy who gets uh, exiled to the far North where everything's snowy. And he's tasked with being a part of this group of guys who defends this ice wall from an oncoming uh, uh, zombie horde. Yeah. right they're, they're the night's watch and there are these people who live out beyond that wall called the wildings right and they're people who've been in conflict with the night's watch for generations and they kill each other and eat each other and all, rape each other and all this kind of crazy shit but john snow ends up going out there he ends up falling in love with one of these feral people fucking her by a waterfall it's cool um and in real life co- <laughs> oh that's right that's right they, they hooked up in real life. um but uh, anyway, he sees the zombie horde that's coming and comes back to the Night's Watch. And he's like, guys, I'm going to be real with you. Uh, we need to team up with those guys out there or all these zombies are going to eat us and it's not going to be good. And he kind of convinces his superiors to do this, to, to create an uneasy alliance between the feral outsider people and the Night's Watch. And what happens is that his... Uh, contingent of men actually corners him at night and stabs him to death right uh he comes back to life because it's you know fantasy whatever but when i saw that when i saw that they stabbed him before they like they even their sense of self-preservation couldn't allow them to 
deal with these people who they who they hated that made a lot of shit click in my brain and i was like oh they're this is just a, this is just humans man like they'll they'll die and kill you and kill everybody before they learn how to get along with each other yeah no solidarity even when it comes to their own sort of existence and like like you know what i'm saying like we're about to be wiped off the face of the fucking earth yo we need to like mm-hmm. stop this petty shit and like kind of nah fuck and that. Blood's everybody's like no <laughs> yeah, we are not yeah. stopping that well yeah. that comes back to the like red pill within the art world mm-hmm. now is like the red pill arena is where they're trying to like um it, it, at least what it seems like it's not like the case because then you get into yeah. anytime you get into any kind of like identity shit or like labels of whatever it's like nobody's right we're all the same but it seems to be or at least for a while seemed to be the one that was revolving more around the art and didn't give a fuck about the like the extra bullshit it's like can we make cool shit again like that's all we care about and like that's where the like and, and for me that really is what matters so that's like how part of how like david and i've been tagged as like new right or you know right wing podcasters writers whatever is like because we'll affiliate and whatever and it's because like i care about the art i will co-sign and like uh Mm -hmm. communicate with whoever is about perpetuating art and doing cool shit right yeah i'm 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 ride or die for jack pretty much like it's it's it uh when you talk about things being on site, it's pretty much anybody who's got a problem with Jack. I'm like, then you have a problem with me. <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's like, I've always been the, of the, of the thing of like, the thing about me has always been like, yo, you can't like, for me, I have an issue with the sort the quote unquote, for lack of a better label, right monopolizing transgressiveness Mm. like i'm like nah like trans you could be transgressive like like i'm always pushing back against that you know what i'm saying because Mm -hmm. i'm always like no 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 no. like they're not the only ones that could be transgressive dog like you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying like that's what the whole like that's the whole thing about like that's why liberals hate quote unquote again dirtbag left leftists you know what i'm saying because they're like oh they're fucking they just say fucked up shit, you know, crypto fascists. Yeah. Yeah. They're crypto fascists and shit. It's like the moment that you're like, they, they, they put you in a box immediately, you know what I'm saying? And they want to like mm-hmm. write you off as the, you know, so it's like almost everybody, it doesn't matter if you're a goddamn Maoist, you know what I'm saying? You get labeled as a right winger <laughs> by default, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you get raped. And I'm like, actually, no, it's, it's a lot more nuanced than that. And it's a lot more complex than that. But again, it's so childish. It's so like, it's a very, it, again, because we live, and I said this all the time, we live like, you know how Marvel and the MCU is like the, the most watched thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's reflective of our society because we live in the fucking MCU because we've abs- like, the people have absorbed that. Like it's only heroes and villains. Like that's the paradigm. So yeah. everything is filtered through that lens, which is like, you're either a good guy, you're either on the fucking Avengers or you're fucking Thanos. And it's, that's it. 
you know, even though Thanos had some nuance to his argument, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so Thanos was like, no, actually, we need to like get rid of half of these motherfuckers. You know, it's like, you know, they didn't, you know, it, but that's what really what it is. These people really think like babies. And I do think it's generational. I do think it's millennials, you know, as, as yeah. a sort of older millennial. Um, I do think it is a cultural thing. Um, and there's good things. It is cultural. Bad, yeah. It's good things and bad things about it. Like, I will always say this, you know, um, it is a good thing that sort of like the generations, the younger sort of the generations that are coming into sort of becoming older and 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 in the new and the younger generations who are coming of age, it's a good thing that they are questioning authority. You know, it's a good thing mm. that they're sort of calling people out in certain situations, right? Um, but it's also at this on the same time, it's it it's it can be bad and it has been bad in a lot of in a lot of scenarios yeah. because it's applied so fucking recklessly without any sort of, you know, it's and it's most of the time it's like it's used, it's weaponized, right? It's weaponized yeah. to sort of like settle fucking petty vendettas and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah you're, you're pretty much nailing exactly like the, I had this thing's number from, from the very beginning. I recognized the whole canceling game as a, as a power thing. And I like instantly knew that like, oh, everybody who's getting got for these different reasons, it's, it's you know, sometimes you hit a, a good target like you right. mentioned Harvey Weinstein, like that's good. He can rot in jail. I don't give a fuck. But right. like uh, a lot of times it's, it's this whole kind of weird power struggle that doesn't really make any sense. But I've gotten to this really enlightened Zen place where, you know, when I used, I used to work at a Safeway as a, as a checkout guy, right. I would, I would scan people's groceries and the guy who was my bagger had down syndrome, Right. And sweet kid, uh, he, you know, but he would say all kinds of shit, like while he was bagging groceries. And sometimes he'd be in a good mood. Sometimes he'd be in a bad mood, but no matter what he said, it would just be like, oh, he has down syndrome. Like, you know, just let it, let it be. It's cool. Whatever. That's how I feel about most people online now, honestly, (laughs) like most, most of these people, like they'll say shit. And, and it's just like completely like water off a duck's back. It just, it just completely, I'm like, oh, you've got you're you're a libtard so like i'm not even mad at you because you you don't you barely know where you are you know um so it's fine yeah yeah and i i I have a similar sort of like i have a similar sort of reaction to that shit where it's just like uh i just kind of like shake my head at this point i'm like i I say this to people all the time Um, i'm like uh i have like I'm like fucking guts, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you guys like berserk, right? Like yeah. I'm missing an eye. I got all kinds yeah. of scars because I've been in this shit so long that it's just like That's I have right. all the calluses. Like I don't even, it doesn't affect me anymore. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm a veteran of this bullshit, the internet flame wars and all the shit. I, you remember the internet flame wars of 2019? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I can, you know, I have so, I it's so, I'm so immune to it that like I, I, I laugh at like, people that are like i have to get offline because i'm going i was like what like you let this shit bother you like it gets through it gets through to you and i have to remember that like yeah most people aren't terminally online like that yeah i'm (laughs) I'm 35 i'm 35 so i like i grew up with uh myspace aim message boards uh the wild west of the internet something awful um me too (laughs) and uh (laughs) and it's y'all remember tagged were you on tagged 
Yeah, no, I wasn't on tag. I wasn't on tag. But I know what you're talking about, but I wasn't on it. <laughs> it. It was like a borderline. It had dating elements to it, but like okay. I was like 11 on it, and like you could <laughs> like yeah. give people label. You labeled people. You gave them like stickers. Like one of them was like an ex boyfriend sticker or something. This, this <laughs> sounds like very gay. Yeah, it's very bad. Gay. It was bad. It was really proto grinder. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kelby was out here talking to 40 year old men on tagged, just like, uh-huh. who, who huh? pretended to be like 18 year old chicks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you say. Bro. But no, I mean, like I was, I was, I was on all this shit. And I think that when you bring up the guts, uh, you know, symbol or metaphor or whatever, uh, you know, 2019 and COVID and all that kind of shit. Like I came out of that so calloused and so cold that like, what, it, what's going to bother me now? Like nothing's going to bother me right, right. at this point. I've just been through too much shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like that Bukowski quote, right? Where it's like, he says, you know, to quote, to sound pretentious and be a douche to quote Bukowski, but whatever. Like, fucking like, you know, like he said this idea of like, by the time I got like any sort of acknowledgement or notoriety or fame, I was fully formed. It was too late. Right. I can't be altered by this shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm, I've just been through too much. I've seen too much. I'm a fully formed person. It's like this shit is not going to change me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I really like that. I like the way you said that. I, that, I think that's, that's really cool. I think that, I think Kelby's a fully formed person. I think I'm a fully formed person. And I think that that, uh, you know, all three of us being fully formed people, I think that that threatens other people. There's a, a weird kind of confidence and that, that people are like, why are, why are they not, why don't they equivocate when they talk, right? Why don't they make excuses for the things that they say? Why, why do they say the things that they say? Don't they know that that's going to get people mad? And it's like, what are you going to, what else are you going to take from me, right? I mean, it's, exactly. I, I mean I'm good, you know? And, and, not I mean, only, and not only that, right? The equivocation shit, because I always get mad when I feel like I'm equivocating. Um, but it's one mm. of these things where I'm like, there's no, there's no sort of viewpoint um, that I hold, or there's no sort of opinion that I hold that I can't articulate why I hold it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm always mm-hmm. like one of those people that's like, yeah, I have no problem like telling you why I think the way I think or believe the what I do. Like, and I feel yeah. like a lot of people do. Like, I feel like a lot of people, they sort of like under any sort of, when they face any sort of scrutiny or are asked any kind of like why, they, they sort of like, they, they choke up. Yeah, they freeze. Yeah. They're like, uh, right. uh, uh, and it's like, I'm like, no, I can tell you why I think what I think. Like, you know, and I'm also of the belief that like, if your idea is strong enough, it should be able to hold up to that type of shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you should be able mm-hmm. to articulate, okay, this is why I think this. Oh, you think, you know, and ultimately we can agree to disagree. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And it's not really a big deal, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lost concept. It's a lost notion for a lot of people. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like some people, it's like it kills them that you believe something different than them. Like it kills yeah. them, like inside, like fuck. Yeah. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And it's like, well, how, how, I always ask people, like, okay, so h- how much do you actually believe the thing that you believe then? Exactly. That's if exactly it's bothering it. you that much. Yeah. That, I you mean, that's, that's 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 exactly it. Do you actually have the courage of your convictions or not? Mm-hmm. And I think that people, uh, well. Back in the day, I think there used to be more 
unspoken rules about what we do and don't talk about. But I do also think that people had more conviction in the things that they believed to the point that uh, you could have these kind of discussions about things. Um, I'll always remember, I used to move furniture and my boss was like a, a kind of hillbilly guy. And we would have all kinds of conversations in that truck, mostly because you're elevated. Uh, you're in a 26 foot box truck. You're mostly just looking at titties. Right. And so we'd be driving around and like the boss would be like, Oh, titties left side. We'd both would everybody would go like that, which by the way, ladies, that's happened. Anytime a truck passes you, that's exactly what's happened. I just want to let y'all know that. Um, but there was one time that I asked him, I don't know how we got on this subject, but I asked him what he would do if he had the codes to the, to the nukes. Right. And dead serious, not joking. He said, he's like, I would turn the world into glass. Right. And this guy, uh, he wasn't joking. Uh, I still have love for that guy. He owes me $400, but I still have love for him. Uh, <laughs> but like he, uh, but he had like just this kind of like conviction that, that we could talk about all these sort of other things and we didn't necessarily have to unpack how horrifying the idea of blowing up the whole world actually was. Because again, yeah. he's a, he was like maybe two standard deviations away from that guy with down syndrome. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, what no, are no. you going to, what are you going to do? I've, you know, and this is a funny thing about people who are like quote unquote writers, right. It's like, uh, like I can tell how much of a writer you are by how many different weird jobs you've had. <laughs> like, you know, I've had like every kind of fucking weird job and I've interacted with so many motherfuckers. Like I used to work at this place uh, where they made like the fucking the windows for like skyscrapers and shit. And like uh, they used to have guys from the halfway house come like, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like bust them in from the halfway house. So I'm working mm -hmm. with these guys fresh out of the pen, like fresh out of the pen, like, like, mm -hmm. and just interacting with the, and the types of interactions with those dudes was so crazy. Like, dude, you don't know how many times, like, I'm like, okay, like I might have to like club this dude with the fucking wrench. Like, cause I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because mm -hmm. I'm fucking with felons and shit, you know, but that's like mm -hmm. the type of motherfuckers are just crazy people. Like, I'm just used to that. Like I was, there's a fucking dude. I was, I remember I was like running this machine and this dude comes over to me with a monster energy tattoo on his forearm, showing his <laughs> knife collection. Like, yo, look at these. And they're shitty knives. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, like, yeah, like, you know, I, I, I have an interesting life. <laughs> I like I like that. I like that you had a I like that you had an aesthetic uh, critique of the knife collection. Yeah, it was the shittiest like, bro. Like, it was the shittiest These knives are super mid. Like, like it was mid. Like, if you saw the knife collection this dude was showing me, <laughs> you'd be like, yo, you're you're retarded. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you're yeah, saying, like, yeah. you are that. Like, you're retarded. Like, yeah. I'm like sitting there like, oh, yeah, OK. Like, unsolicited, too, dog. Like, he comes up to me like, yo, look at these knives. Yeah. on his phone i'm like why is he showing me his knife collection on yeah. his phone like you know but like i that's a that's one of endless memories like i can fucking recall yeah. my boss used to show me pictures of the most disgust <laughs> disgusting pussies you could imagine there was He'd a dude like, that what? i work with there's a dude that i work with who like we would not look at his phone because he'd be like yo dude look at this like no you're gonna show us some shit where it's like a girl eating a fucking ass. blue waffles or blue, yeah, yeah some of the grossest Ugh. shit ever, you know. And he was like, "Yo, friend me on Facebook." No, 
fuck no I'm not, <laughs> no fuck you. I, I worked with i worked with this dude who was from fresh out of the pen and living in a halfway house and was like borderline you know on the on the spectrum and he it's it's not like he was quite lying or thought we were retarded but it's like he kind of didn't grasp what it was about the like uh spam uh the like porn spam shit he didn't quite he, he would like show us these girls who were texting him all the time and it's like he's like bro this shit just dry this just dry you see this shit like man and he show us these like you know naked chicks being like let me fuck you daddy whatever and he's like man who says this shit i'm like those aren't real people bro like come on bro (laughs) (laughs) wait so you're telling me that those are not real women who send those text messages yeah yeah you might want to stop replying (laughs) interesting stop giving them your social security number that's a pro tip that's a pro tip Yeah, that's funny because it's like, you know, I feel like a lot of people, uh, maybe they experience those type of things. Like, they, I, I, you can't not. Like, I feel like if you live in L.A., the homeless situation or the houseless, however you want to deem it, right? The houseless situation in L.A. is the worst. Like, I call them travelers. It, 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 whatever you want to call them. They're, <laughs> they're, they're human beings without homes. And it's mm-hmm. like... You see, I, like, how did, like, I've seen the most craziest, like, people who literally have mental illness, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. legitimately, like, the only reason this person yeah. is on the street is because, like, yeah. they can't get the help that they need because this person isn't, you know, and, like, it's like, how do you live in L.A.? Um, and they just say wild shit, do wild shit. I've seen all kind of wild shit, like, and I'm like, yeah. but you listen to these people from L.A. to talk. And it's like, it's not reflective of the actual society around them. Like, you know what yeah, I'm saying? It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's like, they well, that, speak- that, that homeless thing is Reagan's fault. Uh, yeah. That was the deinstitutionalization. And, mm-hmm. you know, there used to be mental hospitals and they weren't great. I've seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yes. I know that they, that those were not great places, but uh, it was also not great to just completely do away with them right just let these people, people out on the street right like yeah just, yeah they used yeah. to where i used to live before i moved into this uh beautiful new home i lived in like a little 800 square foot shack in a uh, Oklahoma, small town oklahoma whatever and it was a real there were two kind of uh homeless shelters on opposite ends of town one of them was a daytime shelter one of them was a nighttime shelter which just seems like some kind of fucked up crazy game that they're playing with homeless people. Like you have to migrate back and forth between these two things, but they would have to go right by my house. You see all this crazy shit and you really lose all sympathy for it because you're like, look, I get that you're struggling, whatever, uh, with your mental health. I know that, you know, be people walking by like carrying eight bike tires and who knows where the fuck they got those bike tires, whatever. But at a certain point, it's like, you need a place to go, whether that's a home or an institution or, or whatever, like you gotta, you're not okay. And the, the issue with, uh, to your point, right. Is like this inability of liberals to kind of see reality, right? Like you go to San Francisco 
I've been to San Francisco. That shit sucks, dude. It's like, Elysium, dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking it's fucking crazy. And yeah. and the reason why is they have the most, you know, loose, uh, you know, caring laws that you could have. So they they kind of all go there to get you know free needles, free drugs, and it it's turns ironic though because while I want to while while you say it's like loose and free, it's actually uh, not eat on the same tip. It's like while this liberal in that one aspect, right? Like mm-hmm. it's so fucking like egalitarian and like fucking like you can't even you can't even own a home in that motherfucker unless you got unless you're rich. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's mm-hmm. like it's like the least they could do is that shit. <laughs> like the right. least they could do because it's like it's unlivable. Like yeah. they've literally made it like you can't be in there if you ain't if you're not fucking rich, dog, forget about it. Like, mm-hmm. forget about it. You can't have anything over Portland, there. too. I lived in Portland for a while, and it was yeah. the same shit. It was, like, tech bros and, you know, whatever. And They ruin the shit. The coin. Corporations. They, yeah, fucking, they, they ruin everything. They ruin shit, dog. They just come in, yeah. and they fucking ruin everything. Like, you know what I'm saying? And they make it, they increase the shit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, mm-hmm. so you the housing prices and the cost of living is so fucking ridiculous that you're only mm-hmm. going to, more people are going to fall into precarity and into that situation. You know, are they going to wisen up and get the fuck out of there? You know, right. that's it. Like, that's the only option It's like get out or drown. Like, you know, and most yeah. motherfucking people, if you're for, if, if you're not, if there's not like a mental sort of situation, like if you have no mental issues, most people are going to think, well, you know, I can't survive here. So I got to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But not everybody. But even some people, a lot of people. They may not even be fortunate enough to be in the position to do that because they don't have resources other places, you know, so they're starting from scratch, you know, and they, they, they so it's like one of these situations where I'm like, it's, it's just like when I look at places like that, where they like to look at themselves as quote unquote progressive and it's like, it's usually not, it's just lies, it's just bullshit, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, again, like with the row shit, right? Like, it's just funny, you know, and this is the thing I always talk about, right, when it comes to, uh, because these people don't care about these things, right? Like I actually do, right? Like a lot of the things that they claim to care about the liberals side or whatever, they actually really don't give a fuck about. For example, right? You remember when Texas, Kelby, you're down in Texas. Mm-hmm. You remember when you guys had that fucking blackout, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, you know. I got suspended from Twitter. You remember the that. liberal response? You remember the liberal response to that shit? So this is the same fucking people, right? These are the same fucking people who were emotionally blackmailing, trying to emotionally blackmail any fucking quote unquote, someone who's on the like sort of identifies as far left or leftist or whatever, emotionally blackmailing all these people who are like, I'm gonna vote for Sanders or whoever, right? You can't vote for them. It's kids in cages. It's kids in cages. And like, okay, right? They said that shit. Moment that this fucking Biden, you know, got elected, they don't care. That shit hasn't changed at all. It's still there. Those kids are still there, right? And the moment that the fucking power went out, right? They were like, fuck Texas. Fuck everybody Mm -hmm. in Texas. Where do you think those kids were? Mm -hmm. They're there. So they never cared. That's what I'm saying. They never gave a fuck. Like they don't have Mm -hmm. any, they don't have, like like David was saying, you're talking about people who don't actually have any sort of convictions or beliefs. They don't. And it was because, um, Abbott or Cruz had done something that they were mad at. They were so mad they, because they didn't give a fuck about any of us. They, all, they were also mad because Texas, because of the people, and again, the small, uh, influential, wealthy few in Texas, uh, 
made it so that like Texas was not connected to the main power grid, right? Mm -hmm. um, people forget that Texas, and you know this, you live in Texas. Texas has a lot of people who aren't white, dog. Like yeah. Texas. No, I live in like a extremely. Whenever people like um call me racist for some shit because I say certain words or like I claim knowledge of the hood or whatever, I'm like, well, for one, that I am from the hood, and two, like I, I'm in a super diverse crowd. Right. Like I show that shit to my friends. I'm like, look, I'm racist online. They're like, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, but people think people act like Texas is just all white people. Like, as if it's not mad Hispanic people and mad Black people in Texas, bro. Like, like or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. Texas isn't just all... It's like, when they say Texas, they think of, like, a dude with a 10-gallon hat <laughs> with a fucking belt buckle that has the fucking uh, 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 Confederate flag on it. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And, like, that's mm -hmm. it. That's the whole Texas. And it's like, no. And also, the reason Texas is the way it is is way deeper than motherfuckers. You know, when you talk about gerrymandering and all other types of shit, like, just like all states, the states aren't reflect, like, the way a state leans in terms of its, like, quote-unquote political, it's not necessarily, at most times, reflective of the people. Most people are apolitical. Yeah. Most people don't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Most people are like, yo, if you talk to them, they're going to say some things that they think are like sort of quote unquote right or conservative and some things that are quote unquote. And like most people just kind of fall between like they're not really, you know, like most people care about the price of gas. And uh, a lot of people who identify as conservative are one issue voters. Mm -hmm. and that issue is abortion and guns. Or I guess that's two. That makes two issues. Two issues yeah. um, but uh, <laughs> it could be one. It could be, it could be one, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, most people definitely aren't political theorists, or that's all. why. Again, when I see people online who, you know, here's why blah 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 in a thread, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm happy for you, or I'm really sorry, but I'm not reading all that. Uh, that's that's fucking crazy. Uh, nobody really cares about that. You have to get the price of gas down. You have to get inflation down. You have to uh, make sure that their general standard of living is okay. You have to make sure that their entertainments are good. Uh, and then some people, like my grandmother, for example, my grandmother has always been extremely anti-abortion. That's her one issue. And and they're gonna they're gonna be you know Republican essentially based on that and there's nothing you can do about it because at the end of the day they think that it's killing a baby and you're never gonna convince them otherwise so i mean it's really simple like people overcomplicate politics in a lot of ways i think and it's it's reflective of like a people a helpless society right because it's like you obsess about these cultural like sort of things when you feel mm -hmm. like you can't get anything substantial that's going to change your material conditions you know yeah. what i'm saying like because mm -hmm. everyone sort of subconsciously at least knows that these people whether they're democrat or republican aren't going to do shit no like that's going to actually no. affect the majority of people's lives in any sort of significant way other than negatively most times uh yeah. because they're all paid for because you know i use this analogy all the time it's like the fucking wizard of oz it's like, you know, you got two curtains, right? It's like, you know how you pull the curtain back and you see the wizard, right? And you pull the curtain back, you see the wizard on the other side. It's just this guy. Well, guess what? It's the same fucking guy on both sides. <laughs> and the yeah. guy is like, 
corporation dude like you know what i'm saying like yeah that's like, why the real the, the real pill isn't a blue pill a red pill a clear pill a black pill it's the the real pill is realizing that nobody's coming to save you yeah. right like yeah. nobody wants to help you nobody cares whether you live or die or have a good standard of living while you're here on this planet nobody cares about your kids nobody cares about your feelings uh you know well, here's why no here's here's why though here's why it's because america is a corporation dog mm -hmm. it is a it's not a country it's a corporation like and it's reflective yeah. it's reflective in the way america moves like you could say like there's a lot of things that are wrong with other countries you know what i'm saying for sure i'm not saying there's not but like other countries, like a lot of other countries are countries with fucked up, you know, fucked up shit going on. America mm -hmm. is a fucking corporation with a dressed up as one. Like, it, yeah. like it, that's is what it is. Like it, it's, it's one of those things. That's why it's so individualist and all about like, you know, this idea of no one gives a fuck uh, uh, because it is, it is like, yo, come here, make money or die. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that's what it is. It's like you, you're either gonna, you know, it's like get rich or die trying. Like that's yeah, and that's you know? why I mean it's a it's a really weird thing because you know you have economists like Deirdre McCluskey, who's a really like a unicorn. She's like a trans uh Republican economist out of the University of Chicago. Um, and she makes the point that you know, in America, um, you know, our standard of living is way higher than almost almost any country uh people have the opportunity to make it but the flip side of that is what you're talking about right is that specifically in this country nobody cares like you sink or swim and you make it or you don't and i think that i think that knowing that is kind of liberating in its own way like knowing that nobody's going to come save you is it's it's a good acknowledgement of the material rea reality that we live in. I think that too many people spend too much time online uh, yeah. whining and complaining about how things should be. And it's just like, it's never going to be that way. That was one of my big points, like when COVID hit, right, was um, I would say something like, you know, you can't shut the economy down uh, because it's going to lead to things like inflation and <laughs> you know, gas prices will skyrocket, real estate will skyrocket, like all these things will go, will go bad if this happens. And people got really mad at me for that. And they said, well, if that happens, the government should just take care of it. And it's not that they're wrong. The government should take should, care of right. that. They should. They should. But we live in America. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I'm looking at it from a realistic point of view and being like, well, that's not going to happen. Right. So the right. lesser of the two evils is to let it rip uh, it's going to kill a bunch of people and, you know, take a bunch of elderberry and get physically fit. Uh, I think that's a hard pill to swallow, though. You know, and I it think is it's hard. A hard. It's hard. Push. Yeah, because because even me who like who who thinks like I can look to other models of other shit and be like, they could do this and they could do that. But I know fundamentally where I live. <laughs> yep i know what everything is built up built, built upon and what everything is predicated upon and i know that the systems the system is not in place to do those things or execute nope. them with any level of competency mm -hmm. because nope. it is built on this this dog eat dog you know ethos it's like it is run like a business the country is run like a business all the way from the top down mm -hmm. to the bottom the people who control it you know um the laws the way they're you know it's funny how like if you got enough money 
There's not it's, you, most things you can get, you know, most problems you can take care of. Like when it comes to like legal problems, like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. there's always a way, most times there's always a way out. You can murder a motherfucker. If you got enough money, it's oh, a you're chance. Good. It's a fucking yeah. good chance you're going to beat the shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because that's how it's built. It's built on that. Like everything it's, it's in the found, it's in the fucking fabric. Yep. But it's fucking cut. So it's like, it's hard to say like, yeah, I would love this. I would love for it to be, but it's not. It, it's like, it's, it's almost like one of those things where it's like, yo, America has to sort of like fall like Rome in order for it to sort of something well, to come through, replace it because it's not, all you can do is sort of like yeah. try and jerry rig it to stay afloat until, you know, again, I don't think we'll even see it. Like, I don't think we'll see it. Like maybe we will, yeah. I don't fucking know. But I may, at some point, all civilizations, you know, rise and fall, you know? And it's like, when that time comes, yeah. Whatever comes out of the ashes of the, you know, will be who knows what it'll be built upon. But like right now, it's just like the shit is like, you know, when Trump said drain the swamp, right? <laughs> like, uh, he, you know, he wasn't wrong. It is a swamp. I'm mean, like, this is the this yeah. thing is that like, he knows he's part of it. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and like everyone yeah, is yeah. part of the swamp. It is a swamp, right, dog. Right. Like, you know, like it is what it we've is. been living. We've been living in collapse since 1972 when we reached peak oil. And everything has been downhill since. You can chart it. You can look at films from the 1970s through the 80s to the 90s up to present day. And you can see that, like, I was born in 1986. So I was born in decline. I grew up in decline. And I'll die in decline. Like, we are in a state of decline. And again, you can complain about that. Or you could be like me, who has decided, like, the only thing that matters to me is my son, right? And making sure that making sure that my son has a life that is at least comparable to mine, to the privilege that I had when I lived it. And part of making sure that my son has that life is understanding that we are in decline, understanding the rules of the game within a declining civilization and playing that game to the maximum right? If people want to change shit, if a system comes along that I think would benefit him better, then I'll go with that. But until then, I am going to get rich or die trying. (laughs) The problem is, is, again, I say this all the time, despite my Mm -hmm. sort of like my own personal politics, my own belief, this shit is not capitalism. And this is, it's not consensual. Mm -hmm. It's not. You gotta play. If you don't play, they punish your ass. Mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like you can't go off the grid they've made that no. illegal you can't you, do it that. is illegal yeah who's that old man who was like river dave oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. river dave mm-hmm. yeah river river dave got run out of the woods and river dave was living this idyllic life uh yeah. on a river basically uh and it was a it was a big news story when they declared that you know foraging for mushrooms is will get you like in more trouble than hunting out of season well right i mean like you can't you can't do the ted kaczynski thing there's no way to opt out that's just a sad reality and you have to learn how to navigate within it because they've made it essentially like i said it's illegal to be poor (laughs) you get Mm -hmm. penalized for that like you know what i'm saying like there's all kind of shit like you get penalized so it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like whatever you got to do to survive you got to that's like one of the things that i like you have to like that's implicitly understood i feel like um, regardless of how far fucking radical your own personal politics are, like you have to survive under this shit. 
what are you going to do? Like, I'm not going to live under a bridge, you know? What I'm yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna no, live, like, you know, like you got to do what you got to do because like, like, like David said, the Calvary's not coming. Mm-hmm. Like Calvary's not, unless you're born into some, a wealthy family, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're a hunter Biden, you know, you can do all kinds of crazy shit and be all right. Smoke crack. You can smoke crack. You can have strippers <laughs> peg you and shit. Like you can do all kind of wild shit. Crack a, with, uh, with, wild, with Malia Obama. Hunter's a wild boy. Like, like, let's be real. Hunter's a wild boy. Come on. Like he's yeah. wild. You remember that picture though, that Hunter Biden took where he was chopping up Coke with Malia yeah, Obama's yeah. credit card. <laughs> that, shit? that was so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Listen, first of all, I can't like I hate the Obamas, but uh, uh, but uh, but my whole thing is like, and I fucking and I hate fucking you know, I don't even hate Hunter honestly. Hunter seems like a all right guy, <laughs> like it's, it's fucked fun. Up. It's yeah, fucked up because fun. yeah, it's fucked up because it's like yeah, Hunter's a complete absolute fail son on every level, right? We know that, like, but I mean. When the right tries to make him look bad, hey, just make him sound cooler. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just leave Hunter the fuck alone. Like, the fuck you know, he stop. was snorting coke and fucking Obama's daughter. It's like, it's like what? Tight. It's just like there's leaked videos of him just like having sex with milfs and shit. You're like, bro, this ain't like how is this? <laughs> how is this a smear? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, stop! Like, this is not like you're just making him seem cooler. So it's like right. one of those things where it's just like, all right, you know, like you know, I hate fucking. My God, like Biden sucks. He's his brains leaking out his ear. People pretend that he's not senile. It's a fucking like our country's just a fucking, you know, like that's why I say at the end of the day, you know, um, it's fuck it, you know, just you gotta make the most of your existence while you're here. Um mm-hmm. believe in the things that you believe in, you know, have the convictions. And if you can do something on the ground, do it. Uh if not, then you're just kind of like it's all for show. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can post on Twitter and call yourself an activist, but you're not. You know what I'm saying? Like people that are actually in the streets doing things in their communities to help people. That's what true sort of that that that's what a, that like. But most people don't do that. You know, most people are LARPing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I uh, I broke this deal. I'll be back again. Sorry, fellas. <laughs> <Charlie. laughs> yeah, and it's not a path of uh, nihilism to like give into this shit, or it's not like really doomer shit, because then you have to still exist in spite of. And there's, I mean, I've always believed in honesty and like just keeping it real. So that's just part of it. It's like, I mean, shit sucks. What you can't, no reason to pretend that like we that this isn't what we live in you know whenever like right after that freeze we all got hit with like a three thousand dollar light bill and a letter that was like this is the responsibility of all of us and we're all like fuck you i ain't paying this shit and the but then the like other side of that being the practical side of me the side of me that's a father and a husband and like a realist is going to play the game, to get rich or die trying and in the most creative way that I possibly can to, you know, um, in the most ingenuous way that I, that I can attempt to. And then the other side is doing this kind of spiritual rain dance where the art, where art is extremely important to me is that it's this like be as absurd as you possibly can cultural appropriation is extremely important like go crazy 
and commute and to throw out this like message to the universe, the sort of like rain dance to be like, save us from this, <laughs> like bring the rain, you know what I mean? <laughs> and to get back on that, um, cause it's a good point to get back onto the idea of like art and what you guys sort of are doing. Right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about broken river, David, uh, cause my first, uh, my first, uh, and I know that you and Kelby, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, you know, uh, sort of teamed up and, you know, you guys are definitely, you know, I look, I think of Broken River. I not only think of you, David, I also think of him now, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like a, like, it's like Wu-Tang or some shit, but like, yeah. uh, I, the first book I ever encountered from Broken River uh, was given to me by a writer in Cincinnati, this guy I know named Joseph, Joseph, Joey Hirsch. Um, and he writes a lot of crime and stuff. Um, I haven't talked mm-hmm. to this guy in a while. But I was over at his house like to watch like a boxing match and chop it up. And like he gave me this book uh, and he gave me uh, Zero Saints. Um, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And he was like, yeah, it's like uh, it's, it's like this guy. He's like putting out these. I think you were in Portland or some shit putting out these books. You know, it's pretty cool. It's like a, it's a broken. I'm like, All right, cool. I'm gonna check it out and read it. And I, I read it. And one thing I noticed was the covers at first. I was like, what the fuck? Like, was, okay, mm-hmm. okay, OK. And then I kind of noticed like the, the brevity of it um um of the book and i was like, all right and then i started to like that's when i first got exposed to sort of like what broken river was and i started to like read into other shit um but it seems like just kind of tracking your trajectory and where it is now um it seems like that's a long time ago like you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying and like mm-hmm. what it is now is some other version of of broken river and like speak to like sort of that and what you guys are sort of like doing now like what's what's broken river now yeah broken river started off uh in 2013 because i was on uh an author named jeremy robert johnson's press small press called swallow down that put out me and cody goodfellow and his own books and uh he shuttered the press um and I was talking with another author named Michael Kazepis, and we were like, something's got to replace Swallow Down. Something's got to have that same kind of weird crime, bizarro energy to it. So we did, uh, I did Broken River. I started off with five books. I did a Kickstarter that uh, blew up a little bit. It had books by Stephen Graham Jones and uh, uh, Jed Ayers, William Boyle, uh, Anthony Neil Smith, who wrote this porno detective novel, and Pierce Hansen, who's a really cool San Francisco-based crime writer. Yeah. Um, and off the strength of those initial books, you know, Stephen and, and Bill in particular really kind of took off. And, you know, you'll see them in yeah, Barnes and Noble now and shit like that. But um, off of that, I started putting out books that I just thought were cool. So, you know, I had... Repo Shark by Cody Goodfellow, which was like a wacky, cartoonish crime novel uh, set in Hawaii, where the protagonist was basically Ninja from DeAntward, who was going up against this Hawaiian mob boss who could turn into a shark. Um, I had Kelby's books that I put out. I put my own books out under that imprint. All told, when it was done, I had about 45 books that were out and then I kind of I shuttered it because I was getting way too stressed out about 
the the money stuff it was hard to keep up with the money and uh, you know i had this deal with authors that we were doing a 50 50 split and it was monthly and i'm just a really bad accountant so i would base i basically went to the authors and i was like look uh, i can't keep up with this anymore do you want to just take your books back <clears throat> keep the covers keep the interiors whatever and you guys just keep the money I don't want anything to do with it. And they said, most of them said, cool. Some of them, oddly enough, said, just go ahead and keep the book. Like, I don't care, whatever. So that was cool. But I, I spent so long, you know, stressed out about this like money shit, right? About like, oh, like the books aren't, some of the books aren't doing as well as I want them to, to do. Uh, but, you know, I'm over here like spending all this time, like sending PayPal, like $20 through PayPal to somebody. Like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. So <clears throat> I quit doing all that. And then Broken River for a time became just like a kind of self-publishing thing where I was putting my own books out. And Kelby has, you know, been my best friend for a while. And we just like, anytime Kelby finished a book, we just put it out through Broken River. Now we're kind of coming back and it's as a sort of uh writer collective so we have books by like grant womack and david simmons that i think are going to blow up uh it's that same weird crime vibe but basically what i do with broken river is uh i put the um the financial control of the books in the author's hands because again i hate i hate dealing with money yeah. i do want to be rich i do want to make money uh but i also i feel a kind of intense loyalty to my friends and I don't want to feel like I let anybody down. So I basically uh, like when Kelby publishes a book uh, he's in control of that book, right? Like letting out the devils is it's on broken river. I edited it, whatever, but like Kelby pays me instead of I pay him. It's just kind of like a reversal of how typical publishers work. Um, so we're doing that. And also we've been, I've gotten, a bunch of writers together and our plan we're going to actually meet tomorrow for the first time but uh five or six of us are going to start co-writing pulp crime novels together in the interest of having like every two or three months yeah. a new co-written book come out so yeah that's kind of broken river was a uh, um and is uh an extremely influential press um had a lot of clout, a lot of uh, buzz. Uh, it did some really cool things. I'm super proud of it. Um, but, you know, it kind of just fell. It's a, it's a business model that doesn't really work, right? So every time I see like new publishers pop up and try to do their thing, I'm like, I'm, I kind of watch it from the outside as like, this is going to fall apart in six months. And I, I know exactly why. I know exactly what they're doing wrong. Because I think that like there are these great technologies through uh, Amazon and, you know, if you don't want to go the Amazon route, there's like, uh, you know, book mobile or whatever. There are all these great publishing apparatuses that you can use to put books out, but people get it all fucked up because they try to emulate the big five, right? And you're not the big five because you don't have any fucking money. You know, so to me, it makes the most sense now for Broken River to be a label that 
has me at the head. Like I am the boss. I do make the creative decisions in terms of the press, but that doesn't, uh, but that isn't a business in the sense that like, I'm not a CEO. I'm not, I, I, I don't, if the book doesn't make any money, I don't see anything. If the author, I, I tell my authors like, you know, if you get your royalty payments in and your air conditioner breaks and you need $3,000 to fix it, like don't send me my cut of the money. Just like, just use it to, <laughs> to fucking fix your air conditioner. So I think that like, I think there is a future for, uh, for labels and, and publishing houses as symbols, as powerful yeah. uh, uh, kind of umbrellas, because everybody knows what a Broken River book is. Uh, well, you know, everybody in the indie scene, they know what a Broken River book is. They know the level of quality that's going to be there. They know kind of what they're getting when they pick it up. It's a brand that has a lot of power. Uh, but too many motherfuckers are trying to make this into like a business and think like, oh, I'm going to be a publisher and that's, and that's it. And it's like, no, a collective, right? You want to be a collective with, with everybody using their resources to pimp their own books. That that's only going to be good for me. It doesn't matter if I get a check at the end of the day, right? <laughs> like it's only going to be good for me if it's good for Broken River. So that's where we're at now. And it feels really invigorating I'm super excited about it. I'm really happy to uh, have all these great writers that I'm working with. It's me, Kelby, Eddie Rathke, uh, David Simmons, and Grant Womack right now that are kind of a part of this this group. Um, no girls allowed, only boys. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, you get together with your bros, you hash out uh, the idea for a book, you write it in two months, you publish it, um, you publish whatever books they come out with uh you do your best within your own means to to publicize those books yeah but i just think i think it's a real uh it's a realistic management of expectations and a celebration of collaborative creativity that uh you know it's gonna stomp all over the the current dinosaurs of the you know the people who are trying to be big presses when they're they're frankly not Kind of sounds like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like the stories about like those guys like Ross McDonald back in the day, mm -hmm. they would like get together and they would like all fucking write. <laughs> they would like oh, really? they, they would like challenge themselves like we're all gonna write a book in like a day. Like, That's what uh, we do. Yeah, yeah, they would yeah. like yeah. And they would switch like yeah, yeah, because yeah, Kelby and I wrote Dead Boy uh, in like three or four days and then. I, des I, I designed it. I put it in the, the designer. Kelby did the cover. And so like cumulatively from like the, the first words being typed to it being a, a book was about a week. That's, that's yeah, about how long that, that took. I love that idea of like creating at the speed of thought. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, my whole thing has always been like sort of as, as I've gotten older, like being prolific has become way more important to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, there's something about like, like you want quality, but you also don't want to be too precious. There's like some, there's something to like yeah. art that's too pristine. You right. know what I mean? That's like too polished. That's like, what I started finding out about my own books. I went yeah. back to my first novel, which was really big for like the, the indie world. It was, it sold a shitload of copies and it was, you know, won awards and shit like that. But I went back and I read it and I was like, I'm glad this book exists in the form that it does. 
but reading it again, it's too careful, right? It's too, you know, a lot of the praise of the book was how like, there's not a single word here that's extra. It's pared down to the bone. It's all this kind of stuff. And that's great. Again, glad it exists, but I kind of want wild, ungainly, uh, slightly sloppy shit. You know what I mean? Like it's a that's fine, cool too. Yeah, it's a fine line where it's like yeah. you, know, you want, you know, because that shit is tedious. Like mm-hmm. laboring over every sentence is so fucking tedious. Like takes too long. Takes forever. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. for me personally, uh, when I write, like it's like that's the the hardest shit. Is the hardest shit is not doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, worrying about choices, word choices, shit like that. Like it's always been a thing where it's just like, you know, trying to like deprogram your brain from doing that type of shit. Yeah. But it's, it's but when you, sorry to Kelby, I'll let you finish. Uh, but, but uh, it's funny that you mentioned like being in Portland and the bizarro shit. Cause I feel like that's reflective in sort of your shit. Cause like, I have like a whole bunch of like Carlton Mellick the third, like those goofy ass novels and shit. And, and like, I, it, it, like that sensibility from those bizarro guys uh, it doesn't surprise me that like you have roots in that space. Uh, that's the that's the best thing about Bizarro. Yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. It's fucking yeah, yeah. Freak. yeah. I'll pick I'll pick that up. But Kelby, what were you saying? I was gonna say, yeah, it's, it's like that obsessive. Um, uh, I feel like my my brain got kind of like um, fried on it. I used to do a lot of speed and like was a big meth head and shit. But like um, that obsession over like uh you ever made you know you ever like made music or anything yeah yeah so so like when you're making beats and like the kind of drag and drop method like you download alchemist's drum kit or whatever Mm -hmm. and then you like take all the samples and you like drag them into like you you copy and paste eight hi-hats and slap them together and shit and you're like up for 16 hours making like one Mm -hmm. minute of you know just just one layer of a beat or whatever it's that kind of shit is kind of like fun Mm -hmm. as as like tedious as it is i don't it's so yeah it's also that like it is that and i have a similar sort of experience with that it is but the 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 problem with that is that like you don't finish shit fast (laughs) yeah oh yeah and it's like you like get so (laughs) obsessed in that like tinkering and fucking around and like you look and it's like yo it's been like three months dog and i'm like Uh i'm like halfway through this shit you just make a song or a beat at the end if you do finish it it's Mm -hmm. still just a beat Beat. it's not like this took me eight years that doesn't make it better like that just means it took you eight years (laughs) no facts (laughs) um but yeah, with the Carl, like Carlton, it's funny you mentioned Carlton Millet because I used to hang out with Carl a lot in Portland and we would like drink beers and stuff. And what I learned a lot from him specifically, he's a very, for how wild and goofy his books are, he's like a very, uh, he's very German, right? He's, he's this very regimented, uh, strict, like we did a three day novel writing competition uh where you know if we didn't finish uh, a fifteen thousand word novella in three days we would owe the other person 500 bucks so he has these like 
things that he does to, to make these things work. And, and I really took a lot from that sensibility. I'm not a huge, I'm not a fan of his books, like at all. Like I, I don't, I don't really <laughs> yeah, they're required, like, acquired taste. They're an acquired taste. I like menstruating mall. I think that like, but Carl lives a really interesting life where he kind of just like he, he lives in Oregon, uh, in like a suburb of Portland and he watches like K-pop videos all day and plays video games. And then he, he has this very specific time that he sits down and writes these books and they always sell, they like reliably sell because of the massive hit that was Satan burger. I would be talking unfortunately out of school if i told you like how many copies satan burger has sold but it's like i know the i know the dollar amount that it's sold over 20 years and even though it's over 20 years i mean it's a it's a fuckload of money right so like he's basically he's gotten this formula down to a science and that's that is certainly an element that i want to bring to broken river because like kelby's just good I'm just good. David, Grant, Eddie, we're all just good. like we're naturally talented. And that's that that's a thing that exists. So I want to see what that natural talent looks like in the context of a time crunch, a collaborative uh, project. You know, like what what can we how how tight would it be to have five or six novels a year by this crew of people uh, who are all really good? Like that just that that sounds exciting to me. No, it, it sounds exciting to me. I'm just like listening to it. Like, yeah, I'm interested in what that is because you don't really see that a lot. You know? Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Because uh, everybody wants to be the author. Everybody right? got to be like, the man. You, yeah, everybody right, wants to be the guy, right. you know? And I, I'm so past giving a fuck. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like That's you don't have people around each other pushing each other, you know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, in, in, at least in the sense of being uh, on, like, on the same team, so to speak. Like typically you're being pushed by competition, um, not competition from within, but other motherfuckers vying for sort of the spot or the clout or the whatever. Uh, so yeah, I definitely support that. That's, that's, that's good to hear. That's because it's like, I always, I'm always somebody who like, I've had, you know, I've been, I've, I've been, I've started so many different groups and like I've had, so many different interactions with writers like to this day where I'm always like, yo, somebody please get people who can actually write together and like do some shit without it imploding. Like, you know what I'm saying? And do it for the right reasons and not like for some fuck shit, you know? Cause it's every time I've like seen some shit where like you've got a few people who actually can write, who actually are talented, some weird shit happens, bro. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like some fuck, and just fucks it up. And it doesn't even get off the ground a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? You just look at it, you're mm -hmm. like, oh, what, what? It's like the fucking Brooklyn Nets. I don't know if you guys watch basketball, right? Like, fucking, <laughs> it was like they had a fucking suit. Like, they just never let it happen. Like, you know, Harden was like, mm -hmm. I'm out. Kyrie's being stupid. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and it's, it's like that they, being precious thing. Yeah, it's like, yo, you guys could, you didn't even do one full season together. Like, well, dude, I'm, I'm in, I'm in OKC, so I'm a Thunder fan. Mm -hmm. And, think about like the team that we had yeah Westbrook, you know westbrook Harvey. durant yeah. uh, i mean it was it was a we had a crazy team 
and you know we couldn't beat the heat when we made it mm-hmm. i still have uh the, they, they made these commemorative shirts back in i don't know 10 years ago or whatever it's like best in the west right like when we won the western cup and i was like fuck yeah it rules to live in this city that has this amazing team with all these amazing players and everybody just like couldn't get along couldn't couldn't yeah. make it cohere you know uh we had yeah but Eddie, but yeah, no, I mean, like that's that's uh, Kelby. What were you saying, Kelby? You were saying About, something. Um, being precious, like oh yeah, that's yeah. that's another crucial element to it. Is like one thing that makes the collaborative process interesting and uh, sloppy in a different way, but also like streamlined, polished. Is that like? you're not precious about shit. So I'll go in like David writes something and I go in and change it. And then because I'm what I'm doing makes it something different. And then Grant is going to change something else about it. And it just like, it's getting like kind of edited, but also turning into something different. And it's just the creative process and seeing a, a, a cool end result is all any of our motive is. And even to the point, like the names we talked about how, like, it's going to be real weird to have like 10 names on a cover. Like that's going to look stupid. So we, you know, got to come up with a pseudonym or something because one pen name basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's good. It's going to be one pen name. And basically what Kelby's talking about, like with people going in and changing stuff, we have like a very specific, um, I think that, you know, conflict isn't necessarily always a negative but in the context of this project like you're you're just straight up not allowed to argue like if kelby erases my favorite like something that i wrote that's like my favorite line i I can't say shit about that i have to just be like okay well it's it's gone now you know because that's you know that'll lead to me saying to him like bro what the fuck and then we have to have a conversation about <laughs> what why he edited that out and and then but the, but it just i mean it's it's an impediment to finishing the fucking project you know what i mean so did that happen because that's like the second time you've used that example <laughs> actually yeah, no. talk about it if it did <laughs> no honestly dude i can't i can't think of any time you deleted something that i really liked but i i have this conception in my head of like coming up with something that I think is super badass and then it disappearing because it is like the egotistical writer's fear that like your work is going to be sullied by somebody else. You know what I mean? But like you have, we have to just be like, that is gone. That's not there anymore. You know? Uh, So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be super dope. Like I said, we're, we're meeting up tomorrow and uh, we're going to keep the energy of, you know, whatever energy we have in the group chat, in the group Zoom, you know, like that's going to be what goes into the book. And the book is going to exist in, you know, two, three months. So we're not going to do a whole lot of thinking about it because uh, there's an element of performativity and spontaneity that's missing from books, right? Usually when you get a book from the store, it's something that was written and rewritten and then given to an editor who edited it and then to like a committee of people who decided what was good or bad. And then the book had to sit in limbo for several years. Like there's there's a three to four year waiting period before books actually come out. Yeah. And 
because we're indie, right? Instead of trying to emulate the big presses, like this is another weird pet peeve bugbear of mine that I'll see with like indie presses where they'll be like, here's a book that we have that's coming out in, you know, 2024. And I'm like, fucking why? (laughs) Why not just put it out tomorrow? Like there are strengths to the indie world that are, you know, the quickness, the spontaneity, the roughness, uh, ideas getting through that wouldn't get through. And I'm like, some presses don't play to any of those strengths. So like, why don't we just embrace the fact that like, we're the losers of this, (laughs) this, this world, right? Like we, we don't have the privileges and the, the money and the time to do that shit. So I don't know. It's going to be fucking, it's going to be fucking tight. It's going to be cool. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I remember like, I thought that about like a lot of indie presses. Like I think about it, like, you know, with like tyrant books, right. Where I'm like, mm-hmm. I like tyrant. I liked tyrant. It's not yeah. around no more. Um, yeah. But it did, I did get the sense that like when Gion was around, like, mm-hmm. it seemed like from everyone, everything that I've heard, it seemed like he took hella time with those books. Like, it seemed like he did. Yeah, like he did. He, he, he really worked with those. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. it seemed like he was like crafting those books for fucking ever. Like, you know, yeah. um, and it was almost like, yeah, Tyrant's cool. But like, if you're telling me I'm going to do a book with Tyrant, it's going to take me five years or three years. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay like that doesn't you know what i'm saying it almost takes away mm-hmm. from like I, I mean i like i like a lot of the books you know but i'm just like the what we're going to prove is that what we're going to prove is that what we're doing is actually what people want which is which yeah. is fast-paced pulp spontaneous writing that's that's energetic and exciting that's and quick it's funny and, you say that because you know i'm kind of like obsessed with this shit like um yeah um is that used to be the case like all of those, mm-hmm. like all those guys from back in the day, like all those like pulp writers, you know, yeah. like they were just banging shit out. Mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick wrote the three stick motto of Palmer Eldridge, which is one of the best mm-hmm. books ever written for $3,000 because he needed to supplement his speed habit. Mm-hmm. And he wrote it in like two weeks for 3000 bucks, which was 3000 bucks in 1960, whatever dollars. But still, I mean, still isn't a bunch it's not a lot of money yeah he just yeah. he had to write the fucking i'm up i'm right there with you like I'm, I'm we see eye to eye on that like i'm obsessed with the pulp writers of the 60s and the fact that they were they just they they spun this gold out of just typing yeah, and just, just and, kept fucking like like just next 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 yep. they weren't fucking around dog they were no. just like all right like this is a book we gotta get this one done you know, yeah. whether it's Westlake and those, like, you know, when the start, you know, when he did the start yeah. shit, like just, they were just banging shit out. And it was yeah. like, not, it was like, and like they said, it was very like, yeah, I need the money. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to pay some bills. Let me get this. I got two novels. I got to yeah. do it. It was work. It was work. And they just did but it. But like, there, but there's something about that first idea, best idea, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's about like that, you know, I don't have time like to, to overcook this thing. And you get like, you get legitimately crazy shit. Like some of these old books, whether it's Conan the Barbarian or, you know, Doc Savage or whatever, these guys who had to pump this shit out were like, you can tell when their brains started to break 
<laughs> they started right, just right. writing like fucking insane <laughs> shit right i'm obsessed right now because i've been trying to uh you know write these action scenes for this solo novel that i'm working on so i, I read a walking dead book recently uh and i've been reading brian evanson's dead space books uh because like i'm obsessed with the idea that brian evanson who is the greatest living american author wrote Dead Space and Alien tie-in books, right? So like, he's the best and he and he did this shit, right? For money, right. on a timer. Mm-hmm. So what does that book look like? Like, is Dead Space as good as Last Days? No, of course not. <laughs> but it's fucking fun. It's fucking cool. Yeah. So yeah. books like that, Pulp's coming back. We're bringing Pulp back, basically. Yeah, you are you familiar with Quan Mills? <laughs> no, no, I've never heard of Quan Mills. Okay, so you need to Google this motherfucker dog. Uh, so Quan Mills, uh, <laughs> he's this guy from Chicago, um, and he writes these hood books, basically. Um, yeah. And the thing that you notice about these books are the covers. With a Z. With Quan Mills with a Z. With a Z. Old, old, old thought uh, next door. <laughs> Pastors eat. <laughs> Pastors eat pussy with a W. Uh, this hoe got roaches. <laughs> roaches in her yeah, crib. Yeah, this hoe got roaches. This against a bestseller, apparently. Yo, I'm obsessed <laughs> with this motherfucker. I'm book. obsessed with it too. Thank you for showing me Quan. I Mills. follow him this now is... on IG. He goes. He for a long time he didn't reveal his face, and people were like, "I think he's white." He's not white. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, "I think he's gay." He's not gay. He's a no. Black no, this, this 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 strikes yeah. me as as a black person. Right. Right. But like he reveals this from time to time, he'll go on live and I'll like just listen. And like, I'm just fascinated with these fucking books, dude, because he's dude. Make, he's making money in that space. First of all, that space is like crazy with the urban fiction. Like it's like, a, yeah. you know, it's yeah. just its own like thing. Right. Like that's, like, why, that's why I was proud to be in the top 100 with letting out the devil's dropped in top 100 of urban fiction. It, it, There's it, oh, some more titles. Ho Yokuchi Stank, a bacterial <laughs> vaginosis love story. Wow. Addicted to the abortion clinic. This is exactly what I'm talking about, right? So check it out. It's like, what if it was this, but with dudes who could really write? Because I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Quan Mills might not be the best writer. Um, I've only like, I've yet to like really try to sit through i'm going to it's a goal of mine to read one of these whole books uh i think the 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 this whole got roaches i read the first page and like he started to like uh give the roaches personalities and i was like oh yeah i'm gonna finish that this. is what's up, dude <laughs> yes oh, fuck yeah let's go yes tax, tax season thought <laughs> i want him to be good though i really I'm do. buying one of these your mama's on crack rock sleeping with the pastor's side chick Dude, Quan Mills might be a genius just and based he, off these titles. And, and only see the cover art is so fucking funny, dude. Like the titles yes. with the cover art, and I and like apparently his cover artist died. Like it, it was, it was R.I.P. Like a, yeah, it was some dude. He said that the guy was like a paraplegic or something, and he like would make the covers with like his chin or some shit. I don't know some weird shit, right? Like I don't know if that's real. <laughs> I don't know if that's cap or not. But like he said some shit like that, right? But he was like, I was like, uh because uh, I, I was like he was fielding questions and I was like, all right, I gotta ask this question. Like, okay, so what are you gonna do about the next covers now? He was like, oh I ain't got to worry about that. He I got like a hundred and thirty sixty different covers still. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. that just unused. I'm like, oh mm-hmm. fuck. 
So like, but you're like, that guy's like, again, he, there's people are reading that type of shit. Like, yes. <laughs> like he's, Thank I don't you. know how much money. This is brilliant. Paid. This is great. Yeah, but you know, yeah, you can make, you can make, you, you could, it, it's better than working at Walmart for sure. Fuck yeah. I'm sure Fuck that Quan yeah. Mills is like, doesn't have to work. He said, a he, regular did. he job. said, he said, I'm, I've been a full-time writer now for couple years and he's like i make these books sell that's that's who the full-time writers are right like mm-hmm. our friend lucas showed us this guy uh what was his name kelby matthew something matt uh, shaw matt shaw a british dude he's got like 80 books and it's not this level of awesome but it's all like extreme horror you yeah, know yeah. chicks getting raped and killed and shit and he it's the same it's the same idea right um Cause yeah, this is what people click on. And this is the thing that the publishing industry has too much uh, pretension and self-respect to, to like lower themselves to this level. Like nobody wants to talk about this. I talk about this all the time on the show, but like, you know, there's this big push for diversity in publishing, which fine, whatever, don't care. But like they're talking about, they want, they want black people who are writing the books that they want black people to write. Meanwhile, black women are the biggest demographic of readers in the United States, but they're reading Sister Soldier or they're reading, uh, uh, who's another, like Kwan, right? Or Kwan, I don't know how you pronounce it. Or Kwan. Or they might be reading uh, Kwan Mill. Like, I mean, they're buying books and the publishing industry is like, we need more black people. It's like, bitch, Black people are publishing right. right now. And they're reading people and they're being black people are like you said, black women are the biggest demographic of reader. Like they're reading. It's just, but again, like it's funny that it's funny because they this idea that they're above it. But when you read the shit that they actually put out, it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, right. shit is they dry. just they just don't they they would never put out a book called This Ho Got Roaches in Her Crib. You know, <laughs> and that is that's fucking that's, goat tier. I'm fuck on nobody. It is that and pastors eat pussy too. <laughs> Putting the W on pussy is like pussy. Old thought next that's, door. That's another that's, one I like. That is like Sukamoto level genius, I it's, think. Uh there's some genius there, dog. I don't care what there's some genius there. Like yeah, those books, I think it's genius. Yeah, those books stand out. Like you're like, yeah, what this motherfucker is got like this there. And uh I don't know, like I've always been into like you know, weird shit. So obviously I like a snake of June. So that kind of shows you, but, sure. but, but I've always been into weird shit. Like even Ed Lee, like I've, I was reading Ed Lee. I've got, yeah. a, I've got a copy of the big head upstairs. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, if, it's if, where we mentioned Ed Lee in our next episode that comes out tomorrow. That's, that's funny that you mentioned Ed Lee. So random. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. random. It's not the first time this happened though. Like I'll say some mm-hmm. shit and then I'll hear your podcast and you'd be like, Hey, bring it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 it's just people fucked up minds, dog. We just have fucked mm-hmm. up. And Ed Lee is like this old, perverted, ugly Lee. dude who yeah. just likes big titties. Like he's a vi- like I've never met him, but I've had friends who've hung out with him, and it's like, oh, he's a simple guy. Like he's like he's just writing that because that's what he likes. He's not, you know, Ed Lee never disappoints some, me, dog. Never. He's not some artiste who's above it all, who's like slumming and writing this like rape, yeah. porn, uh, violent, whatever. No, it's just like, that's what he likes. That's, he's literally just writing his his fantasies into into books, which- uh, <laughs> His fantasies, that's fucking wild. If you read Ed Lee, you know that. It's fucking wild. Yeah, you know, it's pretty fucked up. It's yeah, pretty fucked, yeah. it's got some fucked up, fucked up fantasies. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like if I read 
if if people knew that like some of those books that I have of his are on my shelf, they would be like, "What's wrong with you?" But they just won't. You know, most people don't even. They're not gonna. They're not gonna out. even open that book, let alone no. like you know have be curious enough to be like, "What's the big head? What, what, uh-huh. what's, what's header?" <laughs> like, just, uh, like, just 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 check it out. Read it. Yeah, just read it. Just give it. A, it's <laughs> fucking great. It's like you know, it's, it's a good. it's it's erotic fiction. You know, you know. Have you ever read Dostoevsky? It's like that. <laughs> it's like that type of shit. Yeah. yeah, just fuck someone's whole fucking brain up. But yeah, like it, that, yeah, man. That that's that's that's. It's the best type of shit, man. Like, I don't know. If 100%. You, I, I don't know. This you know. is very inspiring for me. This is this is the kind of shit that I hope that we do in the Broken River group. I hope that it's kind of this level of like pulp insanity because like that's one thing with Broken River that I always wanted to see. I felt like there was either books with really good writing that had content that was completely uninteresting or books with really interesting content that were written like shit. And I've always wondered what it would look like to take really good writers and try to write shit like this. Like Cameron Pierce and I wrote a book called Bitches Be Spooky once, which was like erotic paranormal romance. And that's like the closest that we've ever gotten. And it's got like one star on Amazon because people bought it and thought it was like a real erotic paranormal romance. (laughs) Even though it's just people, it's mostly just a book of people getting raped by ghosts um but that's like but, those bigfoot uh, those people that have that bigfoot porn right like bigfoot's like- really big it's again the people who write the bigfoot porn those are the professional writers you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. you see people who are like oh i just want like a, a to get a big book deal and get a movie uh you know directed by blah 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 whatever and it's like no the working writers are writing you know uh bigfoot stepped on my pussy that kind of shit you know what i mean so like i feel like yeah are either either the working writers either writing shit like that or they're like writing garbage for the big companies you know (laughs) like like you know what i'm saying like uh, like it's like that's it it's like you're either sort of like been completely co-opted um and you're just doing the you're making the 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 fucking obama fucking superhero fiction you know <laughs> oh, you know for the fucking big there was a writer who did that you remember that yeah. the writer who did like joe biden and Obama yeah, the joe, and like, like a superhero team you look at a picture of that guy like i hope that guy gets diarrhea like that <laughs> that dude just like imagine just trying to like hang out with that guy and have fun you're not gonna have any fun you know who else is annoying and and, and even though like i do like the wire david simon there's david isn't it Right. Yeah, like, David, David, Simon, David Simon's got yeah, he's a big libtard, which is really weird because The Wire is, I think, the best piece of entertainment that's ever been created by, by humans, ex- extremely um ape. I've seen the like new right oh. try to be like, remember the wire is actually a red-pilled show. And it's like I just watched The Wire for the first time, like this past year. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a very straight it's an absolute just masterpiece, a- yeah. apolitical yeah. borderline amoral show. Yeah, but you know he's he that that he he was smart enough to put the, all kinds of motherfucking actual writers in the writers room. You know when you got that's true. He had Richard Price, Richard and Price, George Pelicanos, yeah, uh, Dennis Lehane, Dennis Lehane. Yep, he had all those yeah. motherfuckers in there. So like, you know, it's his episodes right. with Ed Burns though are are good too. I mean, like he's he 
he showed up all of his other shows are trash though like treme is trash um i haven't seen i haven't even seen like i haven't seen any of the other ones like the wire he just like struck gold and it was a particular period of time where the political climate was was calmed down to where he could actually step back and allow his libtard tendencies to like not affect the material sorry to cut you off no uh, he's married to uh slaughter uh, right no he's married to uh Oh fuck! What's her name? Kelby. On our podcast, David mentioned that he knows where David Simon and his wife take walks. Do you remember the name of the wife on that? Um, uh, it starts with an L. Laura, something. It's a, it's a, she's a writer. I know that she David, is a writer. Yeah, she's a writer. David. Oh, uh, Laura. Laura Lippman. Laura Littman. Littman, yeah. Yeah, 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 which is funny, by the way. And I've heard like this is I just what I remembered heard. that I called that from memory. This is uh, <laughs> good for you, buddy. I was uh, <laughs> I was looking down and thinking. That's what I was looking at. <laughs> you, had to, you had to focus. Yeah, y'all y'all want to y'all want to hear some spilled tea? Um, several people have told me this in the crime community. Mm-hmm. Nah, maybe I shouldn't say this. That might no, be. I off, shouldn't say this. On yeah, a, this might be an off. It's a, this is thing. this is an off mic thing. Yeah, it's about it's thing. about Laura Lippman. Yeah, yeah. Let's let let yeah yeah. We got a lot of hot alone. takes going right now. We can. I'm, I'm gonna leave that alone. Yeah, yeah we should leave that alone. Yeah. We'll take the high road on that one. But yo, it's I'll just, funny. I'll just let listeners know there's there, there's something going on. It's <laughs> funny with Simon is like you know this is why I feel like some motherfuckers shouldn't have Twitter like because he can't help but like like try to like curse people out monosyllabically and be like oh twat waffle and it's like he's, the yeah most he's annoying. like he's like ron perlman he's like i love ron perlman i love him like i love hellboy i love i love everything that he's been in but like him uh tweeting at trump like uh you're going down donnie it's like don't do this dude come on man like just stop tweeting let me love your movies and it's not even an anti-trump thing because i don't give a fuck like right you right. hate I, trump all you yeah, want it's whatever yeah. uh but like just the corniness that these people it's cringe it's cringe. it's so cringe and it's like this is genuinely affecting my ability to enjoy hellboy or the wire or or anything else that you guys yeah. but it's like don't they have self-awareness i feel like these people no just, they've just been they've been so successful and lauded for so yeah. long That's that it. they just don't have it because i look at stuff that i tweeted like two years ago and I'm, i cringe i'm like what the fuck like, i just cringe constantly... shit i posted like three right. days ago like they'll be like oh, why did i post that like... last month like god you know yeah. what i'm saying like i'm constantly thinking of that shit like dog like what was i on like you know what i'm saying like what the fuck mm-hmm. these people just tweet the most cringe shit and just stand on it and it gets thousands of retweets and fucking you know like tweeting at you should never tweet a, at trump even though he's not there he, he's not back on twitter yet but like you should never tweet at him dog it's just no. don't <laughs> no because trump 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 creates his own center of gravity this is what haters don't realize is that there's that classic phrase that haters make you famous and what a lot of uh like democrats and libs and stuff like don't realize is that they are more responsible for trump than republicans and the right wing because if they had just ignored him from the get-go, there would have been no President Trump, like straight up. Like if he just had, if, 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 he, if he had tweeted into a void and nobody gave a shit, like we would not have, we would have had President Cruz or President Clinton or, or whatever. But like Democrats are directly, they're the, they elect Trump. That's yeah. what they don't realize is that they voted with their, They wanted him. 
with their attention. They voted with their attention. But they wanted him. They thought he was the ideal opponent, right, mm-hmm. for Clinton. Like they, they did. They, and, and they fucking blew up. He came through and he, like, I don't know if people remember this because it's decimated history the now. <laughs> De- six years ago, he fucking, I remember watching that shit and laughing my ass it was off. Like, the way that he, like, it was took like, everybody yeah. and just, like, he gave them all nicknames. He hu- he humiliated Jeb Bush, which at the time I thought was amazing because yeah, I hate yeah. the, I hate the Bush, Bush dynasty. Is, yeah. Uh, so like seeing that, like seeing Jeb just get like oh, you know, like you're a fucking dweeb, owned, Jeb. Owned. Like <laughs> like Jeb Bush will go down in history now just for that clip of him saying "Please clap." Like that's that was Jeb, and for that I think Trump should be knighted by america even though we don't do that but like uh but like people forget like what a force this guy was who just like he just came in and he was so fun and uh just funny right like he was actually the funniest president ever he easily the funniest president (laughs) funniest you can say whatever you want like how he's he's a fucking oaf and He's fucking retarded. Like, but but like he is legitimately funny. Like when Biden funny. when Biden fell off the, his bike. Uh-huh. What did showed, Trump say about Trump that? Trump was like, I can promise you, as if I convict the president, I will never ride a bike or some shit. It was just it was <laughs> funny as hell. It was just like the funniest shit I ever heard. I was like, what? oh dude. His his recent like little memo about this lady who was testifying in January 6th, where it's like, you know, the only thing we asked her to do was to get coffee. Or no, she was like to bring us diet Pepsi, and she brought us regular Pepsi. It's just like hilarious. That, like this, this is the kind of stuff that's getting a press release, and He's, and people people don't understand that he had this ability to and has this ability to create a center of gravity that everybody falls into, and they fall for it every time. Like they have they have to tweet back at him, and it's like nope, he won. If you tweet at him, he won. Yeah, he's a, again. He's the he, yeah. He's he's definitely a fucking uh a a constant sort of uh. He's like he's like the. He's like the nemesis, the arch nemesis for like a certain type of liberal, like they just can't res- You know what I'm saying? Like he mm-hmm. was crafted in a fucking lab mm-hmm. to like trigger them. Like you know what I'm saying? Like and it's just like and they just can't resist. Yeah, they can't, they can't fucking resist, and it's just like, bro, like, like, like David was saying, um, and I never know to, I don't, I never know if they call him James or David, like David. Call Everybody calls, yeah, yeah, David so I, or yeah, JDO. A lot of people call him JDO. JDO I, yeah, but it's like James David. It's almost like yo, yo, he might, yo, J, he's got two names, so that's like serial killer shit. By the way. <laughs> Yo, if you can hear me still, Dave, you got like the three. Names. Yeah, you got the three. What's it? What's it? Osborne is, yeah, like James, David. Oh, that's some, like serial killer shit. Like, yeah. yep. straight up. <laughs> it's like, yo, he might kill you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like the Trump shit is fucking hilarious, bro. Like, I just, I just can't. Like, I know, like, even my, like, I know my parents, like, they're good. They're, I love my mom and dad, but like, I know that like they just like hate him like <laughs> like especially my mom I'm like mom why does he make you so mad like, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like I'm not that mad about them like like I, like I just he doesn't whatever like he just doesn't make me mad like you know what I'm saying like I could be like yeah 
he shouldn't have been president, but like, so but Biden shouldn't be president either. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, yeah, I'm not sure who should be. Like, who should know, actually those... be president? Because they seem to all suck. So, I was really happy that he ripped the bandaid off the whole thing and was just like, that's what's what it, you what you that 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 that's what is the thing for at least for a lot of liberals is you can't keep up this idea that we live in a meritocracy and that this is in, in the sanctity of these sort of like offices and institutions with a guy like Trump in the in that position because he shows you that that's not it's all bullshit. You know what I'm saying? He shows you. He's like, no, nah, 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 nah. no, 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 that's not real. And mm-hmm. they hate that shit because he's not. He he doesn't play by the sort of. Uh, he doesn't do the fucking. Um, he's not about decorum. You know what I'm saying? He's not. He's not. You know they 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 care about this idea of like civility and conducting oneself accordingly to the position. Like it's all elite shit, right? Mm-hmm. And he's the guy who grew up rich. That all the other rich people were like, oh, I fucking get, you know what I mean? And he got into power and they just hate it because he reveals the sham. He reveals the sham of who they are. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, yeah, I'm motherfucker. I'm yeah. balling. I'm the president. So I, I'm Trump not- was a very, he was a mainstay in rap lyrics for a long yeah, time. For a long time. For a long time. And he, he stayed, he stayed winning. Right. Which is like why, you know, one day it wasn't Kanye's time yet. One day, Kanye could be president. Could. Yeah, he, he could, could be, be. be a Trump-like figure. He could be, be part of my vote. Yeah. <laughs> he's got he's got the Kelby vote. I would never. <laughs> it does. I, I don't even. It doesn't even matter. But I think Chance the Rapper is makes horrible music. Um, but he used to make good music before. Like he like I like acid rap still. But Chance said said one thing that I had to agree with when it came to that whole Kanye shit was why wouldn't you want to vote for Kanye like and I'm like first of all I don't but he was like but he made this point he was like Kanye doesn't have like any blood on his hands he has far less you know what I'm saying he hasn't killed anybody or he's not responsible for like in terms of like a candidate like when you stack up like these these career politicians and the sort of fucking shit that they've done it's like he's far less like shitty like just based yeah, he's on probably not on a pedophile i don't right, think Kanye's right. ever like, fucked a kid like so, i mean that it's automatically just, it's, it's crazy you know. to say that but it's legitimately true though it's like what the yeah. fuck is kanye ever did in comparison to a lot of these people who've been in off like, a guy like biden for example like like mm-hmm. come on bro like he's who never, definitely fuck kids who he's definitely who definitely kids. was the architect of the crime bill with the fucking incarcerated mad black people like mm-hmm. kanye ain't never did no shit like that like you know, like at the end of the day you really got to think about it like damn like hmm. it's like yeah i don't want him to be president but i don't want, i don't want anybody to be president because all the presidents fucking suck so mm-hmm. you know um at least i haven't you know i haven't i'm a little bit older than you guys but i think i think david you said you're born in 86 86 yeah yeah you're like the same age as my my younger brother um so so i was born a little bit before that in 82 um and like my whole life i've never seen a good president ever ever never not not a fucking um no i haven't seen a good president either i think that we i've heard about i've heard about good ones like i've heard that fdr was pretty good like I heard that. <laughs> no, FDR was real bad. FDR was real. I've heard. Bad. I've heard. He, I've heard he's bad. I heard he's good. But but he, again, he hated Japanese people. 
like FDR hated the Japanese. He well, he put them in internment camps, right? Yeah, that's true. He did. Do, 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 Which uh, I mean, he like uh, when he was in college, he would write articles for his newspaper about the Yellow Menace and how the Japanese were a real problem that needed to be taken care of. And yeah. when he got into office, literally like his generals, some of the most hated people of history, even they were telling him like, you know, the no, internment camps, dude, the might might not be a good idea and fdr was like no fuck that these motherfuckers are going straight to the camps so uh i i think that uh fdr uh, is he's usually listed as like the top president uh on most historical you know polls it's either him or abraham lincoln right Mm -hmm. uh which i could i get i actually kind of i get lincoln i get that because here's why here's why i don't get lincoln because lincoln got he got smoked, dog. Like <laughs> you, you, that takes you off the list. Dog. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very that's a very Trump thing to say. Is like I like the presidents. I like presidents it's that like, got slipping, dog. Like you know yeah, I, mean? I, don't, got, I like presidents that don't get assassinated. Uh, you got shot up. Like it's a wrap, dog. You know. I mean, uh, Reagan destigmatized mm-hmm. mental illness mm-hmm. by putting all yeah. the. Putting, like, putting everybody on the street. Look, putting everybody on the street. So uh, even like, so I said like, FDR is one of those people that people say, yo, FDR was a transformative president, but he, but he put Japanese people in internment camps. Like every president sucks. Like even the good things you can list off all the bad shit they've done. You know what I'm saying? It's like not even a. Yeah. It's like fuck them. Like so I'm like when it comes to like this idea of like someone like Kanye running for president, I'm like, yeah, I don't think he's good to be president, but I'm also like in terms of like his own karma so to speak i'm i'm sure that it's far better than anyone <laughs> that's been in that position uh that we've known of because like when you Dude, look if kanye at- was president it would be the funniest shit ever <laughs> that would truly uh that would the truly funniest be funniest shit ever his, would- and watch like world peace happen the way that like when trump was president like he actually met with kim jong-un and you know there was like kind of peace in that region <laughs> yeah. for like the first time in forever like when you have these big dumb celebrity doofuses become president, uh, well, I guess Reagan wasn't great, but like yeah. Trump was a great example of, uh, you know, the fact that like people love celebrities, man. So they like, do. imagine, imagine you're like in the Middle East, it's Saudi Arabia, you know, they're they're beefing with you know whatever other savage you know backwards dirt country is is down there and then kanye west shows up and they're like we love kanye right and then all of a sudden boom peace in the middle east it's that fucking simple it's that fucking simple just the the the, the power of my dark twisted fantasy no brings you know the why? world together because the fucking american military industrial complex would cap kanye then he could then he would be knocked off of there like they would never let that and happen. that would be then he'd be one of your least favorite presidents yeah he would he, be he, like they would kill him because like, he'd be dead right they, he got they, smoked, like put yeah. it this way the people that actually run this shit they is not like just letting motherfuckers like do shit they like we're gonna kill you fam like like mm-hmm. yeah. you're gonna yeah, die it's like it's like uh but my wife asked me today in the car she's like so that lady who's with epstein I was like, yeah. She's like, got 20 years. I said, correct. Right. She's like, and they didn't release any of the of the names. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. That's just not gonna happen. No. You know, my dad was texting me that too. Like, nobody, this is like again, this is why this this is all about like understanding reality uh in terms of politics or whatever, and and you know, recognizing like having a realistic view of the world. Like you can't get mad about mm-hmm. Ghislaine Maxwell not not giving up any names because it's like it's it's never gonna happen it's just right 
She saw what like, they did to Jeffrey Epstein, dog. Yeah, Jeffrey, R.I.P. Well, I mean, well, he committed suicide. Yeah, he committed suicide. I had a friend, my, my buddy Scott Adlerberg and I fought about this on the phone for like an hour where he was like, David, what you don't understand is that those prisons are so shitty and they like the cameras could be broken. And I was like, bro, come on. That's a cope. That, you know what that is? That's a coping mechanism right there. That's for people. Yeah. Rat, they're like, no, there's no way he he mm-hmm. he definitely killed himself. I mean, no, he he got yeah. murked. Like they mm-hmm. killed that motherfucker, and there's no way that you. I don't. I, I just don't like the fact that no no one even talks about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. He killed that motherfucker, and then they were like, oh yeah, nothing to see here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, by the way, what about those flight logs and all those famous and powerful and influential people? And it was flying to. And none of it matters. I mean, all of it's yeah. public. We, yeah. we we know who was on. Like Trump was on those flights. Uh, Clinton was on it. Like the fact that that's real, mm-hmm. the fact that that's a real thing, um, shows that like it's all bullshit. Like you know what I'm saying? Like again, like you heard that they put her on suicide watch too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, she's yeah. about to not make it, probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which, like, by the way, it's like I don't care. It's like okay, right, right, right. right. She's a piece of shit, anyways. But, but yeah. you know what I mean. Like Jeff, her and Jeffrey Epstein both. But like, as somebody mm-hmm. who lives in Columbus, oh, I don't live in Columbus, but I live in Cincinnati area. But I go to Columbus because my girlfriend lives in Columbus. Uh, every time I drive up there, or I'm up there, and I go past like the less Wex, the buildings that have less Wexner's name on it, I'm like. Mm-hmm. I just think about every, every time you every time yeah. you shop at Bath and Body Works or yeah, I'm uh, like, this Victoria's one. Secret, it's like this is all pedo money. I, I just think this about it like little... this is fucking crazy. Like this is fucking crazy. Like you know what I mean? Like this is the world we live in, dog. Like it's really Bath it's, and Body Works has some great fragrances though. They do. I do like Bath and Body I Works. Do. I do. It is you know it's Japanese it's... cherry blossoms great. Uh, their eucalyptus scents are really great for aromatic <laughs> shower experiences. Uh, My you know, uh... My hands are Japanese cherry blossom right now. That's what's up. I love I love the turn that this this is taking. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the perfume nationalist. Let's talk about let's talk about Christian Dior. Hey, hey, hey. And Fahrenheit. Hey. Oh some, shit! Got broke out the Fahrenheit. I got I got Fahrenheit right here. Here we go. Shit, yeah. I've got some uh some Avon from my great grandmother. <laughs> 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 Yo, we can't take that lane that lane is already took and we can't do it I feel like. <laughs> that's such a specific thing too like no one mm-hmm. would who would who would think of that dog it's so funny when straight dudes pop up talking about perfume and they're like jack who i don't what are you talking about well, you okay okay shut up yeah yeah if you talk about perfume and you're a straight guy that's a dead that's a dead giveaway that you listen to that podcast because i I know about perfume because of episodes I've listened to more than I've ever wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, it's it's been it's been pretty cool because like I've 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 really uh, I realized that I just like really didn't know that much about yeah about scent and fragrance and stuff and it, it is a sense that we have and we just kind of don't think about it. I think because like most things just kind of smell like shit, you know. Like right. we mostly yeah, just smell exhaust fumes and like sterile Clorox target floors and shit. <clears throat> so yeah. it's like, we, we don't really think about scent, but like, it's cool, man. It's cool. Like I, I, I like the one thing that I really like about that podcast is that it's made it so that I 
you know, I was at the mall today and I, I went into Sephora and I was smelling stuff. I was letting Gus smell shit. I was like, here, smell like, what do you think about this? And he would look up and he'd be like, oh, like, yeah, right? It's cool. <laughs> Smells are cool. Yeah, cologne is cool. Like, it is one of those things where, like, you, yeah, you want to make sure you smell good. And also, I feel like it's, it took a gay guy to make that podcast because... Totally, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Because if you really think about it, like, a gay dude is really going to be hyper sensitive to smell because like mm-hmm. you're fucking with other guys dude and guys be funky bro like you yeah. want to smell yeah. right you know what i'm saying like chicks always yeah. like spray themselves and shit but dudes you're probably more aware of the fucking like if you're a gay yeah. guy you're probably more aware of how men smell than anybody bro totally like, yeah. next to women because yeah, we're straight yeah, women you know what I'm saying? Like, women just smoke their hair smells good like right. they usually have some kind of fragrance and then you know I, I like the way women's bodies smell too, but men's men's bodies smell absolutely disgusting. Mine horrible. does at least. It's fucking horrible. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. if I just if I'm if like there have been some days, you know, like raising this kid, where like I haven't showered in a few days, and I'll catch like a whip of myself, and I'll be like, that is horrific. Like I smell so bad. When I was uh, coming off of speed. Uh, when I quit everything and like, mm-hmm. you know, was sweating shit out of my system for you smell whatever. like plastic, right? I smelled like popcorn. Yeah, like like a weird popcorn. Oh, that's interesting because like, like for me burnt, it was like, like this like indu- it, it yeah was like, like burnt this, popcorn. Yeah, yeah it was like this industrial smell for me. Like I would walk. It was almost like earwax or something like that. Like yeah, I always I had this smell coming off of me that was like really. Uh, like every time I would be coming down from all the different, you know, research chemical speeds that we'd order from China, <laughs> I'd be like, I, I smell like fucking just like the inside of a Tupperware container that's got like really old wax. In so you it. think like, it's, it's like, just, it's like the chemicals sort of like secreting out your pores? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's whatever yeah. that shit is. Like it's, it's not, it's not natural, right? Like you, you basically like, if like if you watch Tetsuo and you see like you know metal come out of this dude's body, it's like that's what it's like detoxing from from speed. Sukumoto, like this is this is very on like theme to sort of Sukumoto and like his movie smell. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you get like you you can smell them through the screen. You can smell the opening of Tetsuo. Yeah, where the guy's putting the piece of metal in his leg and yeah, like spitting and. You can you can smell that. You can smell Tokyo. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, Tokyo fist? fist. Tokyo fist. fist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tokyo fist. You can smell that. Like where they're punching punching bags and shit. Like Snake of June definitely <laughs> smells. By the way, <laughs> by the way, just like and I gotta I gotta probably bounce soon. But like uh, I, I was wondering, you guys, uh, what's going on with the hallucinatory shit? at the end like there's the guys with the cone like what's like the people the kids being drowned yeah 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 so like, like what's what's going on at the end of snake of june so i've thought about this a lot um and a part of me is like like for example when when sukamoto like takes the husband right and he makes him like he goes to that weird drowning porn shit <laughs> like where the men are watching yeah, yeah. getting off on watching people drown right and then he like starts to like make him unclose take his and then he's like his dick is like these black tube tentacle things 
I'm like, is that real? Like, I, 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 I think so. I think it's, all I think real, it's real. Right. 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 Yeah, right. yeah. Every time I watch it, I feel like I teeter on like, is it real or is it like a manifestation of like, what? We, 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 we have these questions when we watch movies, but we never have these questions when we watch like Looney Tunes, right? Like right, when right, Wiley right, Coyote right. runs off a cliff and is standing in midair and then looks <laughs> down and then he falls. We never say like, is that, is that real? It's like, no, it's a part of the, like the Looney Tunes world. And people do this all the time with David Lynch, Miike, Sukamoto, whoever, whoever's like a weird filmmaker, they want to try to be like, what is the, the dream and the metaphor? And I'm, I want to like shake them and be like, it's all fucking real. It's all in the context of this thing. It's, it's a thing that really happened. I think it's real too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, um, every time I watch it, I just think of it as straight up. Like, I'm just like, this is just straight up. But then I think in my, my head though, is that just me? Like in my sensibilities where I just want it to be that way? Because, but I feel like Sukumoto's not that type of filmmaker. Like, I feel like, I feel like he has wild shit in there and he just presents it. And it's just like, yeah, this is just what it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He never, he's not like Lynch in that way, right? Where it's like, he's not like, you like inter- this. Yeah. Like, just interp- I'm not going to talk about it. You interpret it, whatever. It's like, no, he's like, yeah, this just happens. Like, you know, Tetsuo's a real thing. Um, all his fucking movies. Like, I feel like every single one that I've seen, at least. Um, seems to be pretty straightforward mm-hmm. like what well and like happens? um tetsuo 3 they made the mistake of having too much exposition about what exactly is happening where they talk about it where mm-hmm. they're like you're a cyborg and this and that and your grandfather was a cyborg and it's like so it's like i think that shit's in his head with all these movies like what is happening is like a it, it's actually happening there's like a lore to it and a history to it but in his better movies he doesn't really say it like they just exist right and i look at that moment specifically with the drowning shit that david brought up in the 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 the, the, the dick thing like i look at it as like what i like it's like magical realism shit you know what i'm saying like like they do like you do some in some of your books right like or like fucking atlanta does and shit like it's just Mm They just it just happens and it's just yeah this happened like you know like to do with the invisible car you know yeah 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 his invisible car you're like what and then you see somebody fucking run over somebody in the parking lot like and it just yeah it just keeps going like i feel like that's the same kind of sensibility uh yeah yeah i feel like people watch this movie and this is a, good, a, a great way to to end this uh long but entertaining discussion uh it's up to you watch snake of june um (laughs) and you figure it out if it's real or if it's not real i think it's real i think kelby and david think it's real too but at the end of the day does it really matter i don't think so because we're living in hell um <laughs> watch watch snake of june watch snake of june listen to agitator listen to agitator read broken river read broken river and then tell us what you think listen to is uh, it real collaboration society um don't tell me what you think because i don't i don't care but don't tell, care. tell tell kelby and ryan what you think <laughs> after after listening after and june. reading <laughs> then tell me what you think of snake of june <laughs> yeah Thanks for coming on, guys. Um, I'm going to hit stop on this, and then uh, 
I'm gonna ask you some off the mic questions real quick about some names. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Later. Later.